0: It is a truth universally acknowledged that enemies become friends, become lovers, best friends of brothers become lovers, and no past is tragic
1: enough to come between fated mates. In this
0: episode, your emblematic hosts find themselves becoming friends to trope lovers with the incomparable media reviewer and writer Megan Guglielmi Sunday, where they discuss how Austin is the goat of tropes, whether tropes cheapen stories, and Duke or Jism. Without further ado, talk of the turn, the duke and us, episode seven. Oh, trope, she better don't.
1: How do you do, dear listeners? I'm Elle. I'm Erin. And we are two of the over 82 million households that fell deep into the Bridgerton series. And we can't like things in a chill way. And in this episode, we're discussing story tropes. And today we have a special guest. Introducing archivist, co-host of the great Dune podcast, Let's Get Weirding, and staff writer for The Spool, friend of the show, Megan Sunday.
0: Hello.
2: Hi, Hi, Megan. Thanks for having me. We're so happy to have you. Thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. Another expert for us. (laughs) That's
0: right. I love a trope.
1: That's right. Today we are talking about tropes. Oh, tropes she better don't.
0: Because
1: (laughs) Bridgerton is full of them. And when we were talking with Beau last time, we talked a little bit about how romance and just novels and fiction are, are full of them as well. Mm-hmm. So we thought we'd do a little deeper dive today. Yes, and we figured Megan is the perfect guest to talk about this because her knowledge of <laughs> just books in general is <laughs> as deep as the Loch Ness. <laughs> it's, it's very true. Yeah. It's Basically true. any like paperback fiction that I've ever like even just set my eyeballs across Megan has read and and Megan knows why it's good or why it's bad and how many tropes are in it just like a font of knowledge which is wonderful
2: except that sometimes I definitely leave one room of my house to another room and I'm like why am I here and then someone will be like did you ever read that book where a girl makes wings and I'm like oh mail order wings I did here's the plot what (laughs) what But that is your great sacrifice that you've made to the to the world's. Treasure. I read that book in 1989.
1: <laughs> Today we thought we would go over some of the major Bridgerton tropes and then see where we go from there. One of them is, I think this is one of the biggest tropes I think of all time. If you've ever seen a sitcom, you'll definitely see this: is miscommunication. Mm-hmm. This one could also be tragic. Misunderstanding. So there's a few that we can refer to in Bridgerton, but the main one I'm thinking of is Simon's secret. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All caps, Simon's secret. (laughs) 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 Why he is hesitant or has straight up refused to get married. And then once he is married to Daphne, why their physical love <laughs> that doesn't necessarily look like regular, typical physical love. In life in general, communication is the hardest thing in the world, right? Mm-hmm. It, when you're in a relationship of any kind, romantic or non-romantic, truly understanding what somebody's saying and what they're not saying <laughs> can be very hard. And oftentimes you feel like you're dealing with a puzzle. So I think while it can seem a little bit cliche to have miscommunication in the books I mean that's real life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even though Simon's reasons aren't necessarily
2: real life (laughs) nor his his solutions
1: no no he's a very fundamental misunderstanding of how the the human body works oh my god of how how male and female human body works yeah
2: and how like revenge works
1: (laughs) (laughs) right 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 that you know a
2: dead guy doesn't care what you do yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's another can't think of which one it is now, but I've read another romance where part of the plot was that the guy is like, I'm never having children as so as despite my father. And I believe it's revealed at the end that his father has just been having an affair with like the housekeeper for years and is very mm. happy. And it's just like, sorry, you think that I suck. But oh, that's just like,
1: well, that was King. That was. um.
2: Yeah. Is that is that week to be wicked? Not a week to be
1: wicked. No. It's a rogue something broke for the road. Something about a rogue. Yeah,
2: road so a rogue. they're on a road trip together. It's that one's that's chock full of tropes because there is only one bed. <laughs> dun, dun dun dun. My favorite. Oh, that's a great one.
1: And I just remember he has very, very thick thighs in very, yes. very tight fitting leather pants. Always wearing leather pants. Drive the heroine crazy. I'm into thick thighs. I might have to write that one down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it's so funny because he is wearing yeah these leather pants and she's constantly just like well i don't know why you're wearing those stupid pants they're stupid i hate them
1: but she's constantly staring at them and like looking at every single line that's defined in his thigh <laughs> like, miss
2: <laughs> ma'am
1: you're lying to yourself madam he's like my eyes are up here
2: <laughs> yeah, basically <really. laughs> well because they're always so beefy oh yeah Even the skinny skinny dudes you know they get those voluminous shirts off and it's like oh <laughs> are so chiseled. (laughs) All of that
1: sitting around in your country house. It's the the rogue not taken for anybody interested. Oh,
2: adorable. Yes. All right, I'm reading that though. There's at least two that I've read where it's like, well, we've been thrown together on this wacky road trip through the world of England. Yeah, I'm thinking- (laughs) Through the Great North Road. (laughs) I'm trying to think about the Bridgerton
1: series in general and if there's any like one bed tropes in there.
2: I think everyone is, no one gets thrown together quite like that. They kind of, avoid, right, which is surprising. Cause... Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, and sometimes I think that is a little harder to pull off in like a Regency era. Yeah. Than like, you know, a 90s sitcom. Yeah. <laughs> Caroline in the City, which I literally saw the episode the other day where they, oh uh, oh, Richard and Caroline had to share a bed because they're uh, pretending they're married. Who wouldn't <laughs> pretend they were married to
2: Richard? Oh my
1: God. I was thinking this morning about how he may be one of the hottest. Love interests in 90s television. Oh, my God. I was obsessed. <laughs> Teen me and then was obsessed. Like season three, he grows like mutton chops. Yes. like, put him in a Regency outfit and just call it a day. <laughs> beautiful. We also have one of my favorite tropes, just because, again, it's fairly realistic in a way, but the brother's best friend trope is it works because it works.
2: I sadly have never gotten to live this trope because my brothers are younger than me. So no, uh, thank you.
0: Wow. Way to go. Way Don't to go, brothers.
2: Me. I definitely had crushes. So my brother's 11 years older than me.
1: Oh, so boy. A little bit. Boy. Yeah.
2: Well, but that would have been perfect for any Regency set. Anything. True. Very mm-hmm.
1: true. That would have been. But yeah, I definitely like had crushes on them
2: and that like, you know, oh, you guys are babysitting me today? <laughs> cool. <laughs> something interesting that i always like to ask people about because i waver at times mm-hmm. and that is the fact that in almost every historical romance the hero is at least 30 yep mm-hmm. and the heroine is 19
1: yeah sure yeah
2: 19 to 21 and yep. i know that that's i mean as much as i dislike when people use this in other, it is realistic because i mean mm-hmm. what what motivation would most men have had because you probably weren't getting your land until you were in your 30s cuz yeah you know, mm-hmm. dads were not dropping dead at like 50 normally yeah. unless there was a bee and and they were going to school and travel and then traveling the world exactly so i mean yeah there mm-hmm. there wasn't as much impetus for them to kind of to settle in but there are points when it, they're just like oh i'm this jaded rake who's you know, banged my way across Europe a couple of times and Mm -hmm. this is your coming out season like oh boy yeah
1: we see it I think the most in the Bridgerton series with Daphne where Mm -hmm. Simon is very worldly and he's grown he's seen things he's experienced life and she is just so sheltered because she's grown up basically cloistered (laughs) in the tawn and really not allowed to experience anything outside of embroidery Mm -hmm, (laughs) or like shopping for dresses and that's the entirety of her knowledge of the world and we see that over and over again in Regency and I I've been struggling myself with it's common in historic Regency romances that you're dealing with a virgin bride yeah which Mm -hmm. also means you're dealing with somebody who doesn't know anything about anything it's been bothering me more and more lately that they have to go through this part they have to be taught all these things and they're kind of at the mercy of their husband for the most mm-hmm. part in learning about how sex works or learning about how the world works in some ways. Well, and I think that that's part of the attraction mm-hmm. for the man is that a virgin, innocent, untouched, mm-hmm. whatever, but B you can groom them yep, to like suit exactly you. So if mm-hmm. you like sex in a specific way or don't like it in, a, in another way, whatever, they're a clean slate for you to, imprint on
2: and, and it's like Ugh. i will say that that a lot of that wrote most romance i would say a lot of modern mm-hmm. like more recent romance it's yes. a lot better at yes. the guy being very concerned with learning how to please the woman yes like that's part of what makes them this you know hero like perfect lover is that he's mostly concerned with these are all the things I'd like to do to you because I bet you would like it, not necessarily mm-hmm. I would like. Like I'll like it by default.
1: Yes. But <laughs> right? yeah, I want to find right. out what
2: you like. And that's definitely I mean because I used you know, I used to read like the romance novels that my mom owned when I was younger. And a lot mm-hmm. of those, like the seventies and eighties ones, it's basically just like, Wild. Well I'm put this in there.
1: And you'll like yeah. it, don't worry. I started reading The Flower and the Flame.
2: Oh no. Yeah. Oh no.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I'm you know. I felt like I had to.
2: That one is is racist for something, right?
1: Think so. I haven't gotten that far okay, into it. Okay.
2: Okay. No, there's one with a very similar title that I read ages ago, which is definitely, in retrospect, about like a man in Asia, and it is mm. not good. Uh, mm. but, you know, I read it when I was thirteen, and even then, I was kind of like, I don't think you're supposed to talk about people that way. Yeah, right? Right. it seems yeah. odd. And then later, I you know was looking up old romance novels or something, and I read just like the back description. It was like, oh dear,
1: like <laughs> ooh. So the brother's best friend thing, there's something I was thinking about it that, and I've mentioned this before, that proximity is one of the biggest indicators of love or romance. Mm-hmm. Just being close <laughs> physically <laughs> and having access to someone it makes you more likely to to have a romantic relationship with them than not. But back then with these well-bred ladies who are basically human cattle who are there as property and to be sold off and to be kept as pristine as possible, which is why their virginity is such a big deal.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's
1: really only this set of women, women of the lower classes not such a big deal to be having sex outside of marriage. But for these ladies in particular, they're just not going to have access to that many people of the opposite sex in general. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. either, and I think that's why we see a lot, either there's a cousin that comes into town or it's your brother's best friend from Eaton. Yeah.
2: Maybe it's your own cousin. <laughs> I don't know. And it's a Habsburg. Oh no. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Or maybe he knows a, a very nice Dowager <laughs> touches. <laughs> I mean, I think the brother's best friend is a super realistic trope for that reason. They're just coming into your world view or whatever, but they also have been slightly vetted already by your relative. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, if they're cool enough
2: to be your brother's friend, that's an in already. And this is definitely an aspect that I enjoy in books, not in real life. It's just (laughs) one of those things that almost always gets you at least one good scene of, no, you don't understand. I know him. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Why don't yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, don't, don't talk to my sister. And it's like, yeah. but we've known each other for, y- I know.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. I we know, know what you're together. like. I know. <laughs> yeah. I've been rereading a bunch of the Sarah McLean novels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's an 11 scandals to start. The, the main heroine and the, the love interest have just started making out in a stable. Her brother comes in They break apart and they're trying to do the like, oh, this is a horse. (laughs) This is my horse. It's a good horse. We're talking about this horse. And it's a great scene because her brother walks in, takes one look at the two of them and is just like, hell no. And just punches the guy because he's like, I know you're not talking about horses. What do you think you're trying to pull? I know you hate horses. Horse talk. (laughs) (laughs) Like, seriously? No. Mm -mm. Uh Uh-uh. And that's one of those things, like in real life, I would be like, I'm sorry, did you just start? physical violence because someone right. was standing near me but in a book you're just like yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 punch that guy maybe he's done something wrong I'm like oh what's wrong with me
1: <laughs> well yeah Elle and I have talked about the scene where you know Anthony finds Simon and Daphne in the garden oh my god they're not just kissing Simon's oh my god. hand is like fully up her skirt <laughs> She's like clawing the back of his head like yeah. they are like she she's is pro- probably got a, away. got a titty out.
0: Oh, a yeah. <laughs> Right. They she's always like, have right. a titty out. of like
1: hopping onto his hips they're in it they there's no time for them to even break apart or whatever yeah and i if i saw a sibling making out with it oh my god that way my instinct would be just walk in the opposite direction and immediately vomit um
2: i can see like in his position him getting so angry i have nephews and i'm like well that's nice how you found these children <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah good for you that's, yeah <laughs> Amazing.
1: Yeah, actually I read recently I've gotten into Courtney Milan Mm -hmm. and just been reading through her stuff and she's amazing. But I recently read the suffragette scandal, which is an amazing book. It's so so good. But it has it kind of subverts that thing a little bit, like that protective older brother speech, which can sometimes be a little bit annoying of like, I'll hurt you or like, you know, I'll kill you if Mm -hmm. you do something to her. The heroine in this book, she's firecracker, she is a suffragette, and she has her own newspaper. She's not gonna take anything from anybody. But Falls in love with a a scoundrel, of course, because that happens. Her older brother is like a soft boy. He's like a soft, kind boy. (laughs) And he like, he tries to have that talk with this scoundrel who is like a for real scoundrel. (laughs) Who's like dark, (laughs) kills people, doesn't give a shit. And he's like, if you hurt her. And he's like, what are you going (laughs) to do? He's like, honestly, I'm more afraid of your sister than you.
2: (laughs) I Which also have a weakness for any time the sister who is titled falls in love with I don't know like a merchant, yeah, up and coming businessman or something. Yes, yes. And yes. the brother tries to do the speech, and the guy's just like, "I could buy and sell you like seven times. I'm really not mm-hmm. afraid of you because you're an earl. <laughs> like, that doesn't mean anything anymore. It's 1898, friend. Like, woo." Yeah. Yeah. Hey,
1: Industrial Revolution, baby. Right. I own
2: sixteen rail yards.
1: Your income is still from land. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, land. Who? Land. What? Um, I own every hotel th- in London. <laughs> Somehow,
1: i the part that like that sort of thing, or even like the you know a father making a speech, you know, because I think that that's like interchangeable, like father and older yeah. brother or whatever. Is that it? Does there are like shades of like are you into her like yeah
2: do you want to like yeah, why are you so concerned about
1: this and i think that, that obviously makes sense mm-hmm. i mean you know if she if she is being she's like sheltered and like whatever and that like her brother is a father figure and then she's just replacing her father figure with another father figure yeah. one that she can have sex with but it's still <laughs> like something i feel like sometimes even in in movies it's like shades of uh, like, is this what, really this protective? Is this really like, just paternalism or? <laughs> yeah. Or, you, or yeah, or there, there's some like necessary therapy that you need to go through. Probably. Well, I mean, yeah. I think
2: that's like the entire last hour of Scarface. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. He's like, yes. um, Please. why are you so concerned about what your sister's doing? Yeah. Oh, Oof. Tony. Tony, she looks so good in that dress. Don't ruin this for her. Oh my God. <laughs> the fact that he's she's literally like, uh, we got married and he's like, I don't care. You had sex. yeah okay dude um
1: (laughs) you need to find a way to let this go this is a problem
2: this is a problem but i I especially do like it when you get the overprotective father older brother and Mm -hmm. then the i i do appreciate whenever the love interest gets a you don't even know like how awesome she is yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. that's true like that's i think i know l at least has read brazen and the beast Mm -hmm. where it's definitely just a. Uh, she's the best person in this whole family.
1: Yeah, she Aww. is the best person in the world.
2: <laughs> she's so smart and so uh, cool and, and so kind And, like, and just... you guys suck.
1: Yeah. You suck yeah. and you
2: suck. And yeah. also, I've bought and sold you seven times. Ta da! <laughs>
1: By the way, you don't own your house anymore. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Oops, I did it. <laughs> Surprise. Oh, and your business? I own that too.
2: <laughs> Surprise. And I'm going to give it to your daughter like you should have. Also, I'm the most beautiful man in the world. Yeah,
1: I'm hard to look at because I'm so gorgeous. <laughs>
2: <laughs> to the point where even the love interest of his brother in the first book is like, uh-huh. well, you're great, but I think you have to understand that your brother is is the most beautiful man in the world yeah like let's just this isn't something to argue about it's
1: like i'm into you but your brother is so fucking hot
2: <laughs> basically and that basically even in the second book a lesbian character is like i'm not into it but look at this guy
1: oh yeah like everybody <laughs> is just like man how is he so handsome
2: <laughs> i don't want it but i get why you do yeah like, woo. he's like Ronan pharaoh yeah,
1: basically. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like Ronan Pharaoh is someone who, like, transcends all, you know, it's like, it's not even, like, a sexual thing. He's just so handsome. Like a thick and tall Ronan Pharaoh.
0: <laughs> Poor Ronan Pharaoh. He's going to hear this and be like, I'm
2: thickish. Yeah, he's going to hear this in my freaking dreams. <laughs>
1: Uh, if you hear this from the fair, I want to be your best friend. I've already put it out in the universe. So it's about to happen.
2: Can we all hang out at your mom's house? Because it looks really nice <laughs> on Instagram. Right. Yeah, it looks so cozy. It sweet. looks great. <laughs> so the other, the other like
1: main one, I think that I was thinking of was the fake relationship. Oh yeah.
0: Ugh. Which
1: recently I read, I did finally finish L. I I finished uh, Take a Hint, <gasps> Danny Brown. Yay. And that is also fake relationship or ruse into mm-hmm. reality as they like to call it in Bridgerton. They talk frequently about their ruse, sexy ruse. And yeah, that is some, I think that might be one that is maybe the most fictional. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of a time in my life where I would have had to like be
2: fake in a relationship with someone. I think that has only ever extended to this creepy guy keeps hitting on me. Pretend you're my Mm -hmm. date. True, yeah. or buy a fake wedding ring at Walmart, which I did do because there was a college
1: kid who kept hitting on me at the library. And yeah. It was getting yeah. ridiculous. And so I wore it until my finger turned green, and then I was like, <laughs> I should have bought like a real one. My husband is so cheap. <laughs> oh my God. I had to yeah. divorce him because it yeah. turned out my ring was fake.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. Dang it.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, like it, it is, yeah. like, this is one of the more fantastical tropes out there. And it's used very frequently because it works well, because it provides yeah. closeness and exactly. reasons for them to keep interacting. I think mm-hmm. it
2: frustrates me as a trope because particularly in the historical romance genre, I think less so, you know, I don't read a ton of modern romance, but it's less of a thing because I think dating is less of a thing. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. there's less of a reason for anyone to pretend that they're in a relationship unless you're in like a Jennifer Aniston rom-com and Mm -hmm. it's like, I'll get a promotion if I'm married. right? But the problem that I had with Simon and Daphne is that by the rules of their culture, no, you're Mm -hmm. in a relationship. Yeah. It's not
1: fake for everybody else and for like society. And (laughs) frankly,
2: it's not fake for them either because even if they don't, "Quote unquote," actually have feelings for each other. You're going everywhere together. Yep. It all yep. leads you to dance the same together thing. All the balls. Yeah. That's yeah. a relationship mm-hmm. for your. That's a really good point. For your culture, like, that's courting. That's yeah,
1: it. yeah. He like, sends her
2: flowers. Yeah, yeah, like this isn't fake anymore. It's like understood
1: because... that he gets like the dances. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: You know, it's not just a matter of oh, if we end up at the same party, I'll talk to you. No, it's an active thing, and at this point where does it become indistinguishable
0: mhm
2: like at what point is i mean just because once they start having feelings for each other that it's like oh see it's real it's like yeah no it's kind of real before cuz yeah no one expects them to fall in mm-hmm. love
1: it's one of those tropes that is purely for the reader mm-hmm. to have a really great entrance point into their relationship you get to see them and enjoy like scenes of them going through the motions and like being a couple but you also get the novelty and, like, fun reveal of their feelings. So, like, Mm -hmm. you have your cake and eat it it too when they're in a fake relationship. Whereas, like, yeah, in real life, (laughs) those feelings would be realized way before. And, like, I'm not – no one's ever going to ask someone to go through the motions with someone else until maybe they
2: feel something or not, because that would be such a waste of time. Yeah, and to that extent, and especially because if you – l if you were just like i'm gonna have for the jennifer aniston wrong yeah, sure. like i have to pretend to be married so this friend of mine is gonna pretend to be my mm-hmm. husband it would be like well it's weird that l suddenly got a husband but okay yeah. I'm like good for you <laughs> but if you were doing everything with a person mm-hmm. you're, you know you're going to all the parties together you're going out to dinner you're going on rides mm-hmm. you're go- <laughs> you're hanging out <laughs> yeah if you eventually were like surprise he was my fake boyfriend we would i think we'd all just be like no no, that's your boyfriend. <laughs> it's been your boyfriend. Right, right. I hate to break it yeah. to you, but it's your and boyfriend. Yet, it doesn't yeah.
1: make so much sense in real life, but I do think yeah. that one of the reasons why it's used so yeah. widely in romance books, especially historical romance books, is that it's ready-made tension. And it's like an excuse mm-hmm. to yeah. talk about all those feelings starting to build and the confusion of this is not for real, but what I'm feeling is for real. It gives it context yeah. it gives it like a structure to exist mm. it's like a prefab <laughs> tension house and you have a, you as the reader have like a shared secret yes. with these mean characters yeah. and so that's tension too of like you know is it going to be revealed yeah. or like whatever i
2: think part of my just not overall i don't want to say dislike but that i'm just not thrilled with that trope mm-hmm. is it is used a ton yeah. in fan fiction mm. where it usually has no place yeah. And the issue of tropes within fan fiction is that you're wrangling existing characters into said tropes. And so when you're like, I'm in a pretend relationship with, I don't know, Hannibal, it's like, no, why? Yeah. Why would that ever happen?
1: <laughs> That's where it like crosses the line into cliche, right? Where it's like, it's, it's used <laughs> right. because everybody understands it, but it actually doesn't make any sense within the writing itself.
2: I'm pretending I'm Kylo Ren's girlfriend. Why? <laughs> yeah, who would do that? <laughs> yeah don't does kylo agree yeah. to that does he know who you yeah, are does he know that this is happening because i don't think he does and also don't. yeah no no yeah. no one would suggest that not even kylo Ren. advice advice for you is do not step away from that situation oh god
1: didn't you know he's a diane
2: he's already in a rela- he's already in a fake
1: relationship yeah, yeah he's already in a diane
2: come on that's the fanfic I want to write is where it's just like he keeps trying to convince someone he's not actually dating, right? Yeah. It's a dyad. Yeah, it's not. We're not. It's not like we're together. We're just a dyad. Come on. It's just that sometimes if we're making out, she might just show up in my room and I have to talk to her. I'm sorry. Yeah, our minds connect. It's no big deal. And I have my shirt off and my high-waisted pants yeah. on. It's not my fault. <laughs> it's not like she's going to look away from that, obviously. <laughs> it's the best scene of the whole movie. It's just it's it is. like I I'm mean, literally not wearing a shirt. Yeah. That okay. scene will forever live in Man,
1: my head. Man, those first so, two movies, though, that. they were great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the things, Aaron, you were talking about how it changes from fake and like how that, you know, mm-hmm. kind of clicks in everybody's mind. Well, I think that in a lot of these ruse to reality or fake relationship romances, the trope of having a scandal induced marriage <laughs> comes into play. Oh yeah, because yeah. something then, of course, inevitably happens that forces their hands into an actual marriage, mm-hmm. like getting
2: caught, getting finger blasted. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, about to, about to ride that saddle yeah. in the garden by your own brother. Come on, have some <laughs> yeah, respect. <yuck. laughs> I sincerely hope this was a podcast on which I could say Finger Blasted, because I did. Yeah, sure. you for sure
0: can. <laughs> we've gotten
1: real blue. Yeah, we, Okay. We've, we've gone into some dark places.
2: <laughs> well, at least in that case, it was something significant as opposed to Anthony, who has to get married because he was trying to get a bee off of a girl lady. Yeah. Well, He was
1: literally sucking bee venom out of a girl's Sucking like, some beat down. Like <laughs> I know, but that's legitimately what he was yeah, doing. Yeah, He wasn't even doing anything bad. <laughs> he was just having real fear-based anxiety about this woman dying from this beastie. Right. <laughs> God, Book 2 is buck wild. It's in, so like, nice. it's way so possible, ready and I can't wait I for am that. I'm so season. ready
2: for for Anthony. <laughs> All the people who are upset that it's not going to be about Simon and Daphne, you don't know. You have no yeah, idea how for. good
1: this is going to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because yeah, Anthony's when I cuz I I mean <laughs> I watched the series first and then I went into the reading the book series, right? And so for the first book, The Duke and I, I felt whatever about it. Like I understood why mm-hmm. it, people liked it so much, but I enjoyed the Netflix series a lot more. And I was like, okay, I get it. This is like a good romance, whatever. And then mm-hmm. I read the second book and I was like, this <laughs> like, this, this, is wild. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. sent me. So I actually have a lot more affection, I think, for Anthony's book than The Duke and I. Same. Absolutely same. Yeah, yeah. For yeah, for other. I mean, more more reasons than just that. I feel like the family dynamic is like really mm-hmm. explored in a fun degree in the second book. Anthony is just such a wild card. He is so fueled by his irrational yeah. brain mm-hmm.
0: in a way that I think is so mm-hmm. relatable.
1: He's an anxiety lord. It's like a modern. Yeah, it's like oh, yeah, yeah, it's like a modern sensibility that he has. Like he does not have shit together. No, at all. and uh, it's very visible. And he's trying <laughs> <Like>. so hard. <laughs> He's very trying yeah, so he's so hard to like just be the man of the house <laughs> and do the right thing, and he's just inside yeah. his mind is like there is I don't even want to know what the inside of his mind looks like because no. <laughs> yeah he's just a big old it mess is a tangle in there
2: yeah and and it's I I liked that it was a look at because I do think that since this isn't what most romances are there to focus on mm-hmm. we do generally meet heroes who are. You know, have inherited titles mm-hmm. or are in charge of their estates or whatnot. But we don't get how that affects them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we don't often get this look at what it must be like to be like, what, like 20? and yeah and it's like you're in charge of everyone in your family including your mom yeah yeah including your mom
1: you have to have these kind of like power struggles with her and you're both nice people yeah yeah and you also have to deal with the fact that you you were there for your dad's traumatic death like
2: (laughs) you're there for your dad's traumatic death you are responsible for getting married and having children Mm -hmm. Like, this is a necessity. You have to find Mm -hmm. husbands for all of your sisters. Good ones. Make sure that they're good ones that will take care of them. Make sure your brothers aren't complete assholes. Yeah. And basically be a father to your, like, three
1: youngest, Mm -hmm. three and two or three youngest siblings because they're too young to really know your dad yeah
2: like a lot well, of I mean that's what they say a lot in Hyacinth's mm-hmm. book is she never even mm-hmm. knew her dad like she only knew Anthony mm-hmm. and so yeah he's just sucking bee venom because his brain is just like I don't know what else to do I can't
1: <laughs> let this woman die let me suckle her
2: titty <laughs> I, I gotta hope you don't change that I know I, I will, better I will I. be
1: extremely upset I'm not the kind of person that generally cares that much about changes in between the book and the show or the, the movie or whatever because you have to make changes just because they're two mm-hmm. different mediums, so I don't really care. But if they do not have that scene where he's trying to suck bee venom out of Kate's titty, I will be so mad. And they have to because that scene is like so pivotal. Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. as pivotal as the as Simon and Daphne being found in the the garden yeah. at night. They have to. They have to, or else we
2: we riot. On <laughs> yes, <Strondland>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, like we riot at all I love I Strondland, would, so would revoke my, my
1: heart. dual citizenship. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I will. To the sovereign state of Shondaland. And
1: I will just become fully an American citizen again, as much as it'll hurt me. <laughs> exactly.
2: You're going to turn yeah. in your Shondaland passport. Yep.
0: <laughs>
2: My thing with the scandal-induced marriage is often that it's used, and very well, mm-hmm. like I will say that there's been more than one book that I've read or reread recently where it's just like, eh, where the heroine has no intention of, quote unquote, tricking the hero yeah. into like anything. Mm-hmm. But it's... He's sucking beef at him. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like or circumstance. It's circumstance. Yeah. Like stepped in. Yeah. You know? Or it's a situation where they do sleep together mm-hmm. or do something. And then the guy is the one going, well, we're going to get married. Like, and yeah. usually yeah. they mean it in a very good way. Like in their mind, they're being really romantic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, this is awesome. You're going to be a duchess or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, we're yeah. going to have a bunch of babies. It'll be really cool. And she's going, what? Hmm. But, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. or flip side, the one that's like really annoying to me, and this happens in The Rogue Not Taken a little bit, where the dude uh, or the you know hero, whatever, is convinced that the heroine is tricking him somehow. Yeah, oh and that God. is the most mm-hmm. annoying shit in the world. He yeah.
2: is the most... Um.
1: Yeah, Aaron, The Rogue Not Taken is good but King Mm -hmm. will make you extremely angry. so infuriating. Thick
2: thighs or not. Yeah,
1: I mean, those thighs had to be thick, and those pants had to be tight (laughs) in order to put up with them. Yeah, that is, it's a, that's a very condescending plot point. If A, if someone is tricking someone, or someone is thinking someone's tricking someone.
2: And a lot of that comes out in those books in particular, because the characters in those books, the heroines, there's a series where they're they're sisters, Mm. and Her sisters are very scandalous, and a big Uh. thing is that their father was a businessman Mm -hmm. who was made an earl because he like gave the crown money or something. I don't remember. Gotcha. But so a lot of people don't consider them actual real. Yeah, I I see. And so everyone kind of considers that the sisters, because it's also a family of like five daughters are all just social climbers right and the main character of that one i forget which s she is their names all start with s gotcha has no intention of doing that she just wants out of the whole situation she's just like i want to get out of london i want to go home to where we used to live in little village but i mean it's to the point where she sneaks into his carriage and she's like i just want to get to x small town that's where i grew up I want to go back there and meet all my old friends and just live in this small town like I used to. Yeah, she's scared. like, I want a bookstore and-,
1: and I want to eat my favorite pastries from my favorite bakery.
2: That's it. Yeah, I like I don't want any of the rest of this. That's my sister's deal Like, because her, her one sister's ex-husband is a piece of shit. And she's like, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with any of this. And he's basically like, I've never heard of your family living in that town, and my family's estate is near that town, and you clearly know that, so you're out to get me. Oh, gotcha. it's like, no, dude, other people live places. Yeah, 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 you don't know everything. And so there's a lot of that where, you know, she'll pat him on the shoulder, and he'll be like, oh, don't touch me, that's what wicked ladies do. That's annoying. Yeah. To be fair, though...
1: There can be some cause for like the heroes in this book to think that way, because if they're lords and if they're particularly attractive, have wealth, whatever, they do have to deal with some level of women oh, trying sure, to yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. get into compromising positions with them because they know that that'll cause like enough scandal to force their hand as a gentleman. There's a lot of women using their wiles in, in the taun, Yeah. So mm. I'm sure there's some defensiveness. Well, and especially if her family has like that yeah. reputation. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah that's understandable. And that's the whole thing with Regency is that your family could be the sole cause of your ruin. Yes. So much depends on each and
2: every family member. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not going to say that my brothers are particularly scandalous, but I'm very glad that it's not that way. No one's behavior is reflecting yeah. off Have oh, your own gosh. issues. I mean, considering the way that my the family might have voted in the
1: last. <laughs> I'm super glad that, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think the only time that this is ever, this trope has ever really infuriated me, and I've talked about this with, with Elle before, is in A Rogue by Any Other Name mm-hmm. by Sarah McLean. <laughs> yeah. Where, oh, here we go. So go for it. <laughs> the hero of this book, his whole thing is that he finds out that he lost his estate gambling, because, okay. you know. He was a reckless youth. He finds out that the man, I think he's a Marques, who won it Mm -hmm. and has the estate now, is planning to put it all on his eldest daughter when she gets married. So, like, whoever marries her is going to get his land, is how he sees it. Mm -hmm. And so they, of course, were, like, childhood best friends, and so he goes back to see her. He basically seduces her. They don't sleep Mm -hmm. together, but... They fool around.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then after they fool around, he's basically like, Well, now you're ruined. So Yeah. Guess, guess oh. we're married. Guess we're mm-hmm. engaged. He
1: kind of abducts her a little bit. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And I'm being very kind <laughs> here. Yes, he does. A yeah, bit. a little bit. Like little she bit. she goes over to like, what was his house in the middle of the night, and he like finds her and he's like, Cool, my plan's in motion.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and
1: he takes her into this abandoned house goes down on her and is like, well, now you're marrying me, which is oh, kind of a really harsh beginning to a love story. Yeah. yeah.
2: To be fair, I will say that the other male characters who are all of his friends and business partners are like, the hell did you do? You stupid. <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I will that's say great. that for them is that he's just like, after they get married, he like drops her off at his house and like goes to his club, and they're all just like, what are you doing here? What is this? This is weird. Yeah, I think- <laughs> Don't you at least like her? Yeah. Like, shouldn't you be with your wife on your wedding night? Like,
1: I Kind of feel, though, like it's one of those things, specific, I'm sure other authors do it, but Sarah McLean is especially good at this, but it's almost like sometimes she wants to see how far she can take a hero to being a villain- and then redeem him like she's very into mm, presenting somebody mm-hmm. in the beginning as the absolute worst she does this in in her bare knuckle bastard series even but yeah she just wants to show somebody as a complete villain and then find a way to redeem them to the to the I don't reader know that one works i don't think I'll it does honest. like i have a really hard time i had a hard time with the uh, rogues to riches rogue by any other name i had a hard time with him <laughs> and i had a hard time with ewan i'm sorry <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, Ewan, I have huge troubles with. And, but I also, I mean, to put it, to be fair, I don't like the heroine of Noga Duke goes unpunished mm-hmm. because she's kind of a bitch <laughs> and doesn't really have enough justification for any of the awful stuff she does. And at the end, she's just kind of like, what was I supposed to do? And he's like, well, I love you. Yay.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think that can definitely very easily happen in... Really any fiction is that like when you're experimenting or like exploring the boundaries of like a comeback story, you'd really have to make that person likable or you'd really have to like make some of their bad choices easily explained or like valid in some way. Or else it's not gonna work out for you and the reader. We're
2: literally days away from the premiere of the Loki TV
0: series. Right. <laughs>
1: right. Right.
2: We love yeah. a villain. We love right. we, lo- we love a villain. We love a Tom Hiddleston. We do love a Tom Hiddleston specifically.
0: Well, true. That's
2: true. <laughs> yeah, I will say that. I don't know if this would have been such a thing mm-hmm. if it wasn't him, because it's just so like, oh, yeah. chef's. Because he's a star. But yeah. at the end of the day, you're kind of like, wait, uh, I saw Avengers. Yeah,
1: oh, I, <laughs> and that's the thing. Sarah McLean is undeniably an incredible writer. She's incredibly good at what she mm-hmm. does. And I love her books, but I think it's she's very nice. I've met her. I think it's just my personal thing. I, I just don't like, there are certain things that I can't necessarily
2: forgive in a person's character, no matter what yeah. their
1: reasoning for it yeah. was. You know what I mean? Yeah. And
2: my issue with born in the rogue by any other name is that, we're seeing so much of what's happening from her perspective, mm-hmm. and she's broken by this.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. She's a character from an, a previous book, so we've already seen her get basically thrown over for the relationship in that mm-hmm. book, even though it was what was right. Mm-hmm. That still happened. And this is, again, you know, a society where that's a huge deal. She went from being the one everyone wanted to like, oh, remember how she was engaged and then he left her? Yeah,
1: Mm. he must have left her for a reason.
2: (laughs) Yeah, not just he must have fallen in love with a fiery Italian. It's that, you know, it must have been a reason. (laughs) And so when she reunites with this guy, she's just so like, hey. She's happy to see him yeah and then she's happy that they're like making out and stuff because she's like oh hey and then i mean she's happy he goes down on her because hey and <laughs> that he just takes that and is immediately like no this was a weapon yeah i weaponized mm-hmm. your feelings against you it's like oh yeah that's that's yeah it is. and then in no good dude goes unpunished the main heroine of that basically weaponizes the guy's size against him because mm-hmm. that i mean it's not to spoil but she she it's sort of the beginning of the book she wants to make it look she's supposed to marry this guy's father when she's very young Mm. and she plots to to sneak out of society so her her goal was to pretend that she had slept with her soon-to-be stepson because they're the same Mm -hmm. age Okay, but she didn't know how much blood there would have been, so she basically covers his bed in blood, <laughs> and then disappears. And he is, because he's a recurrent character from the series, mm-hmm. is endlessly described as huge. He's yeah. like six six. He's broad. Okay. So basically, he wakes up from like a drunken stupor to his bed covered in blood and this woman missing. And everyone is like, "We can't say you killed her, but you obviously killed her." <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh damn. Wow! So and she oh, disappears well, for a while,
2: <laughs> and yeah, she vanishes for years. And when she comes back, she's just like, "Oops! Oh, oh, that's did, rough. And didn't didn't mean just, it. Like, um, didn't mean it. But yeah, like, it's rough. not like they're gonna hang you or anything. You're a duke. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> You've had you've had to resort to a life of crime just to get by. But hey, um, I I'm still here. <laughs>
2: Sorry oh, about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and even by the end of the book, she's still just kind of like, sorry about that. I just really didn't want to marry your dad because yeah. he was a piece of shit. And it's like, well, that's fair. Especially since he's basically like, I would have just slept with you and like married you myself. Like, <laughs> Right. You're. I thought you were hot. I thought my father was a piece yeah. of shit. I would have just been like, whoops, slept with her. Yeah, you, no. you really
1: did the most um, <laughs> possible. <laughs> yeah,
2: the most <laughs> Unnecessary. It's just the part where she just like literally it's like a cup of pig's blood. Yeah. Where she's just like, This Jeez. is what happens when you lose your virginity, right? Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. He's like, What the <laughs> fuck happened? <laughs> and then he and he since he doesn't know what happened either, he's also like half like, Did I kill her? Sure. Yeah.
1: A lot of people don't know this, but the hymen is actually one of your main arteries. So, oh, when yeah. you break it, it's just like, it's whoa, slow. my god. Women it's generally pass out for their first time when you <laughs> break it with that.
2: What did you guys call it? The velvet color? Yeah, 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 or yeah. Like, you know, it'll yep. happen. It's gonna happen. Uh, you just have to get used to it mm-hmm. and just prepared. Yeah, yeah, for what's going to happen.
1: Can you imagine if that happened though? And, oh my like, god. even if it was like under the best circumstances and your husband or whatever was like, trust me though it's gonna feel good like you have to get past this it's gonna <laughs> yeah, feel good at God. some point i would be like you're lying <laughs> right <laughs> like you no know, this is done doing never this again, again. <laughs>
2: yeah what is this why this no. is bodily harm <laughs> <laughs> Like, this is a nightmare. We don't have enough bedsheets for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is this going to happen every single time? Because yeah. I'm out. Yeah. Hay <laughs> hey,
1: costs money. You know that? <laughs>
2: Seriously. Like, no, yeah. thank you.
1: Hey, Erin. Yeah, L. You know what's tired? Considering conditions like poverty and drug addiction, the personal moral failing of those who suffer from them, rather than the failing of a society that does little to nothing to prevent the causal circumstances? Shit. Yeah. I was gonna say essential oils, though. Oh, true. Also essential oils. You know what's wired? What's that, L? Essence of shrimps! The new and superior sauce of fish, equal in strength to essence of anchovies, but far excelling in flavor, and has the advantage of not turning rancid. Now that's a value add. Whoa, isn't essence of shrimp from C. Dinmore and Son the same blokes behind universal British sauce? The very same, and they're back at it with another flavoring you'll be cravering. I heard that people were out there making knockoffs, though. That's why you got to get down to T. Powell and Son, the proprietor guaranteed to have the real deal essence of shrimps on hand. Look for their signature of C. Dinmore and Son on each and every non-rancid bottle. One of the other things that I think is just like, I feel like you almost have to have it. Most romance books have this. At least one of the people involved in the romance has to be reluctant to love and to like those emotions. And they have Mm -hmm. to have some sort of tragic background as to
2: why they can't let themselves go in that way. That's what happens when you date Kylo Ren.
1: Yep. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, that's another one that's like, you know, it is slightly more realistic because everyone's got their own emotional shit they're bringing with them. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, part of having at least one character with a background that prevents them from easily falling into love is part of the appeal of reading romance as well. Mm -hmm. It touches on the real things that people who have been through emotional turmoil, through rejection, through loss, all of that stuff, deal with, you know, on a mental level of like not trusting yourself enough, not trusting situations enough, not trusting other people enough. But in Bridgerton, I mean, we have obviously Simon Mm -hmm. has his own tragic background with his father who was not nice to him, was abusive to him, and caused him to make some very weird promises. <laughs> yeah. I have a question. Like, so this is a totally hypothetical, mm-hmm. obviously, because it's not, you know, in part of the, the actual sure. fiction. But like, if Simon did not have that speech impediment mm-hmm. or the, you know, the, the stuttering, do you think that his father would have been an okay guy? Because I think, the, to me, the answer is... No, he would have found a way to
2: like find fault with Simon and be abusive.
1: The guy just sounds like a shit
2: I think that had Simon not had the the speech impediment, I think his father still would have been a piece of Mm -hmm. shit, but Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have affected him as much because I think he would have had a much more traditional, I live in the country with a governess, now I go to school. Yeah, I think he would have had a Uh, very cold
1: relationship with his father either way. But not an unusual one. Yeah
2: yeah right. for the time so i think it just would have been a very i think he would have just been your average <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> jaded yeah <laughs> messed up
1: yeah i just like i don't know if to to me the and obviously like this is me as the reader and, and being so far removed from what an actual relationship would like that would be but like since he basically ended up having no relationship with his father to me in some ways i wonder if he had a ultimately better childhood than having like a relationship with his horribly abusive father. Yeah. Like if his father would have taken a liking to him and molded yeah. him
2: in his image. Uh, yeah. And yeah.
1: like insisted that he stay with, like yeah. live with him or like, you know, whatever. I mean, I just, yeah.
2: Yeah. No, that's true.
1: I don't know. Not like, thank God you had, the <laughs> yeah. but but like, it's just, I just think that poor Simon, you know, he, he thinks, so, thinks about that issue that he had, that personal like issue. Mm-hmm. But his father is just such a terrible person anyway.
2: And that's also, that itself is an interesting trope because I do think that that, I mean, I can only think of two examples at the moment, but I think when they want to take a character, particularly a male character Mm -hmm. and say, we want to give him something that's quote unquote wrong with him, but something Mm -hmm. that. He can also, quote unquote, overcome. Yes. It is often a speech Mm -hmm. impediment because that's the same deal on uh, the Umbrella Academy. Mm -hmm. Diego uh, also stutters. And that's another thing that when he's confronted in a stressful situation or with their horrible father, it starts to come Mm -hmm. out again. And it's one of those. I think it's something that it's a shortcut way to show that the other character is an asshole Mm -hmm. because they're making fun of someone who is stuttering. Yes. Right. You know, it's a sort of that immediate instant like, oh, well. I know this guy is terrible because he won't even let his child try to speak and he's mocking him.
1: Right. But it's a, like an invisible it could it can be invisible. Mm-hmm. It's not like a like a limp or something, which that's kind of not great yeah. either. <laughs> like you know, if they're if they're relying on it being stuttering cuz you can like be yeah, like passing. But like yeah. someone who had like a physical deformity that they couldn't get over like, you know, who cares? Someone has a limp. There, it doesn't affect their being There's, a person at all.
2: See who wrote it, but I just reread the Madness of Lord Ian Mackenzie,
1: mm-hmm. which
2: is by let me see Jennifer Ashley, and that one. I really liked because the main character, the hero, is considered mad because I think though it's never stated that he actually is like on the spectrum.
1: Mm. Okay.
2: You know, he has a very good memory and he gets like really into like certain things and fixations and stuff. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the relationship between him and the heroine is really interesting because she just sort of takes it in stride Mm
0: -hmm. because she Mm -hmm. realizes
2: that everyone says like, oh, well, he's crazy. And then she's just like, well, this guy isn't crazy. He's just... Deals with yeah. stuff the way he deals with it, yeah. You know, and they have like a good relationship in times where she makes a lot of jokes and he's always like, "I don't understand what that was." <laughs> and she's just like, "It's cool, Aww. baby. Like, don't worry about it." Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I like that it's never she never tries to say, "Well, I'll, I'll, you know, stop how I act or you know do something different." Because he's like, "I don't understand what you're saying, but I like when you say it, so that kind of counts." Aww, you know? yeah. That one's been on my list. I need to get to it. That it's really good sweet. and. I will say in that one, like, the sex is also really good because I also enjoyed that the author was like, I could write a character, like, a neurodivergent character mm-hmm. who is still like, I'm down to clown. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. That's it's nice. not, I feel like sometimes people do. Desexualize. Yeah. yeah, very much desexualize anyone who is not, quote unquote, normal. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that this guy is just like, well, I'm really into this. So then he just becomes like a super wife guy, basically. I love it. He's like yeah. I like collecting porcelain, I like fishing, and I like my wife. God, that's the dream like, to have like a house husband. Basically, Ugh. it's it's a good it's a good book. Uh, I really I like want. that one. I've reread it a couple of times. But it is just so funny because he is basically just like <laughs> I only like three things in this world, and it's this, this, and her.
1: Oh, oh I love that. <laughs> I
2: just finished Mary Balog.
1: Balog. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just finished her book. What was it? Only Enchanting, which has somewhat similar vibes. Erin, you'll love this. The entire series focuses on there's seven people who were all injured during the Napoleonic Wars and came back to England, (laughs) and they bonded because they all recuperated together. And so they have this bond, and they meet up once a year for like a month to hang out. And so it's all of their love stories that happen after they're starting to heal and, you know, whatever. But in Only Enchanting the Viscount has a stammer because he sustained a head injury and a bunch of other injuries (laughs) during the Napoleonic Mm -hmm. Wars. He was like thrown from his horse, all this stuff. And Mm -hmm. so his brain has kind of been slowly healing when he, First came back, he couldn't speak. He could barely understand what people were saying. And it took him a long time to get back to being able to speak. So throughout the book, he has a stammer. And he also has memory loss. There are these just blanks in his mm-hmm. mind of, like, what what happened and when it happened and why it happened, which cause anger. So he has, like, angry outbursts and all that, too, mm-hmm. that he's, like, gotten mostly underhand, like, by the time that he's in this book and, and the hero. But it's kind of the same deal. They don't, thankfully, like, in, in this book are in this series, most of their stories happen when like the group's together and the group really understands each other. So nobody is treating him weirdly because of his stammer, which is great. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is like him not trusting love because he doesn't fully know himself anymore. Mm-hmm. Right, right. There are parts of him that he just doesn't even know, and he's afraid of because they're unknown to him, which is very mm-hmm. interesting. It's a good book. It sounds like a Napoleonic Wars version of like the Big Chill, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, where they all like, they all that meet up. They're all these Let's like pals. Yeah, hell yeah.
2: That's basically it. I have sort of realized that most of the stuff that I know about the Napoleonic Wars is either from romance novels or from <laughs> Jonathan Strange and Mr. Normal. So oh, yeah, it's <laughs> mine's like, oh. from Horatio Hornblower. <laughs> oh, and Horatio Hornblower. <laughs> yeah. That's a cultural thing that I think is so weird now mm-hmm. because that was such a thing. Like my whole family, like we would watch that every Sunday, We watch all those movies. And now I'm like, we're oh, yeah. just all sitting around. Recently, like, oh, big ships, yep, (laughs) love a tall ship, watching Yo and Graffud, and yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the thing,
1: being the cutest.
2: But it's like, (laughs) wait a minute, what were we all doing? (laughs) And there's so many of them, there are, that's yeah, I have a whole DVD box, (laughs) they do not stop coming. Well, I have a whole DVD box set of the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes, so we're very cool. Oh, sweet. Someday we're just going to go to a cabin and be like, okay, i it, <laughs> oh, no. get ready for period pieces. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Men in costume. I'm down. Listen. <laughs> Everyone's solving a mystery or they're on a tall ship. <laughs> so I think my
1: favorite mm-hmm. trope is enemies to friends to lovers. Yeah, I'm into
2: it. Mine too.
1: Yeah, same. Yeah. I found in my deep dive into romance that that is the one that just clicks with me the, the hardest. Like, I love a good... Mm-hmm. Not even friends to lovers. I love an Enemies to lovers. <laughs> like,
2: yeah, like Let's, yeah, just, let's like, not even be friends. No,
1: because like we're exchanging one passion for the other. Like, I give me a scene where two people are screaming in each other's faces and getting closer and closer mm-hmm. and closer, and then they make out. Yeah, that is so yes. hot. It will never not. It's be that hot. thing of like <laughs> you know, <laughs> hate and love are basically the they're the same level of emotion. It is the same right. tone mm-hmm. of emotion. Um, if you have one, it's so easy for it to flip to the other. Yes, exactly. And I think it, it's weird. Because in the books, I don't ever think there's an enemy component to them, to uh, Simon and Daphne. It's more. No, there's no. just like a display. It's more on the series yeah. that they play up the enemies part of it. Just yeah. really in the mm-hmm. first episode, I think. <laughs> they give up on enemies yeah. very quickly. So they are more friends to lovers. Yeah. But it's still very good because you have that closeness of friendship and the freedom that you have in friendship to kind of be a little bit more yourself in a way, you know what I mean? Yeah, you say Mm -hmm. what you want. You're, like, a little, like, no-holds-barred because you're, you know, your emotions are fueling, like, your communication to that person. You're not trying to impress them. Yes. I think that, you know, obviously the gold standard is Darcy and Elizabeth. And, like... Yes, I love all versions, put that two thousand five <laughs> version wherein they're in that whatever that's called. It's not a gazebo. I learned the term for it the other day and then I totally forgot it. I think it's a folly. Um, yeah. Yes, a folly, yes. He literally like looks at her
2: mouth. Yeah, they're, and they're so they're yelling like,
1: at each other and he just looks at her
2: mouth. Yes. This is where meters. I think already face. knows this, but I have never seen that version. Yeah, it's okay. I don't, it's okay. <gasps> yeah. I forgot when that. We do you our have cabin it.
1: weekend, we'll make sure it happens. Heck yes. <laughs> Heck yes. That's my punishment. Yes, that's your punishment is to watch two thousand five <laughs> <Gosh, laughs> and Bread. What in. a quote unquote punishment <laughs> yeah. though. I know that, yeah, Elle has recently watched mm-hmm. it for the first time yeah. and gosh, I envy you for only recently having seen it, and I envy you, Megan, for not having seen it yet. I just but have
2: such devotion to the, the ninety five. That was the reason that I had only
1: I only came around to watch it this year, because I for so long, I was like, "1995 Pride and Prejudice is the only one that exists, and I will not hear yeah. otherwise." <laughs> yeah. But TikTok got me. That's all I can say. TikTok I got say, me. TikTok yeah. has made a compelling yeah. case. For made an extremely really compelling It's yeah, it. yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. I saw enough TikToks about um. it, and I was like, you know what? If there, if Gen Z is losing their fucking minds over this movie, <laughs> then maybe there's something <laughs> to it. And they're right.
2: They're and right. I saw that that. Admittedly, very funny video summarizing Pride and Prejudice using John Mullaney back before. Oh, we yeah. All <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. At him, looking upon him with disdain.
1: But talking about <laughs> Pride and Prejudice, enemies to lovers, that is mm-hmm. Jane Austen, obviously the master <laughs> of these tropes. Mm-hmm. And she is. the Duke of Hastings, the blueprint is Mr. Darcy. Absolutely. Mr. Darcy is the yeah. blueprint for so many of these lords, <laughs> these misters, these heroes. Mm-hmm. And this is basically what if mr darcy was a lord and had a stammer that's it <laughs> that's that's it yeah and had like yeah a terrible relationship with yeah. his dad and befriended the, the the first son of a huge <laughs> yeah. family
2: i also have to as you know now as an older person now i have realized <laughs> you know he's not entirely off base with <laughs> the fact that the bennetts kind of as a whole are a lot yeah, And I think if I went oh, to a definitely. lot of social events with someone's family and they acted like some of them act, I'd be yes. like, oh dear. He's <laughs> not wrong, is the thing. No, that's, yeah, no. he goes about it the wrong way. Yeah, he like, he's well, too honest about <laughs> about his thoughts yeah, on
1: it. Yeah, and that's the thing about him too, is that like, he, yes, he is a snob, but like that snobbery is really deep-seated in being sh- totally shy and like socially yes. awkward. And yeah boy that's relatable yeah. and even oh, yeah. adorable yeah. like that makes me like him even more
2: oh yeah i've been told many times by people that they thought that i was mean or i was standoffish mm-hmm. or whatever and it's like no i just don't talk yeah i'm in my own in head situation sorry i'm in like i like, am in my yeah. own
1: head and i can't get out and that's mr yeah, darcy no. and that's why he's relatable also you can you know that he's a good guy because his best friend is a himbo and himbos don't yeah. just like befriend yeah. anybody well kind of they do no if he was <laughs>
2: truly a bad person <laughs> Bingley, the golden retriever, would have been like, I don't like you. Yeah, golden retrievers know they know mean people and they don't like them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I saw a funny, I think it was a Tumblr post someone had like reposted elsewhere where it was a conversation between Darcy and Bingley where he was like, Well, and then I told her that her family sucked. And Bingley was like, Well, when did you tell her this? Like, before (laughs) the proposal? And he's like, During
0: Darcy, (laughs) (laughs) come on. He's like,
2: Darcy. Uh, what did you say that? I said that I was in love with her, but I didn't want to be. Oh. Yeah. Against my better judgment. Like, "Uh." like, oh. That's another reason
1: you got to watch. And we need to be there with you to witness you watching (laughs) Pride and Prejudice 2005 for the first time because the proposal scene, Mr. Bingley's proposal scene, is one of the best things Uh. in the fucking world. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it very is the cute. sweetest thing in the whole wide world and you've got to watch it that guy's a good yeah, dingley. he's great too his like every emotion mm. is on his face he's and, so like, nervous his face is so wide open yeah it's very yeah sweet. it is good and so jane austen is my... a great writer and i don't care who knows that i think that
2: <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here yeah. first guys
1: jane austen is a good in. writer
2: By the same token my favorite fictional proposal is edward and eleanor mm. in Sense the sensibility mm-hmm. oh my
1: god her crying oh, in that it's, scene good. She's is
0: smiling. It's so good. the
1: best freaking thing like she does like the full hiccup yeah how got gasp sob <laughs> like i've never seen someone cr- cry more realistically and sympathetically than Emma Thompson's, Thompson's oh, the fucking goat though.
2: Like she is like, <laughs> yes, she, she is. Is amazing. that is like such a beautiful, like happy, emotional, overwhelm cry. There's the infamous mm-hmm. cry mm. from Love Actually. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Where yeah. we're all just like deaf to to you know her husband yeah. and his stupid tart secretary. <laughs> she just has a really great sense of like gasping for air yes. when you're
1: crying in such a hard way and like. Yeah, oh, That scene in Sense of Sensibility is like... Yeah, yeah and it's so weird her. that her brother-in-law then becomes her husband who cheats on her later. In Love Actually. But it is what it is. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> and then she marries the guy who <laughs> broke her sister. Oh, she car. marries the
1: Prime Minister, right? Does she? In Sense of Sensibility
2: she ends All up right.
1: the Prime Minister. <laughs> <laughs> in Love Actually. I'm pitching this to you, Megan, a fanfic that is like a crossover between Love Actually and Sense and Sensibility. Oh, like, like a crossover. <laughs>
2: But she, she I mean, well, her husband, her actual husband is the guy who played Willoughby, so. <laughs> but yeah, like a time travel
0: <laughs> oh, no. crossover oh, yeah. between Love Actually and there Sense and There are
2: tags that I see on fanfic, and that's one of them, where I'm like, time travel? I like to bring this up a lot is that my, my husband and I were watching Dr. Strange. Mm-hmm. The minute I saw Rachel McAdams, I was like, if he time travels, I <laughs> will be furious. You just cannot
1: her. <laughs> trust her when she shows up anymore in anything.
2: I'm like, you've got to stop. This is like three times. No more time. Traveling. Yeah. I
1: think, I wonder if she, it's like affected her as a person and she like no longer sees time as learning's Gotta
2: no stop being the love interests. Of Time Travelers. It'll fuck you yeah. up. I know that they're all very handsome and charming. Mm-hmm. I mean, I waver on Benedict Cumberbatch personally, yeah. but I know he suits a lot of people. But you gotta stop. <laughs> I mean, a Time Traveler's wife is just like a pile of problematic yeah. tropes. <laughs> yeah.
1: As bad as Twilight is with Jacob imprinting on a baby.
2: I Oof. mean, Time Traveler's yeah. right. Raising, is it... raising your future wife. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I don't like... That's a trope I I don't like. I'll say that. (laughs) Sons, the time traveling. Mm -hmm. That was actually something... So when I was a kid, my aunt had given me this book called Elsie Dinsmore. Mm -hmm. I don't know if any of you are familiar. You don't need to be. familiar. It's basically like it was a series of books uh, written, I believe, in the early 1900s that are about a little girl. And they're very Christian. Mm -hmm. Like, she really Mm -hmm. loves Jesus and suffers a lot of from her adopt like her family because she's one of those where like her dad was a rake basically and so he just sent her to live with his dad but I only had the one book like the first one and I read that a bunch when I was a kid like I you know loved historical books and I was always just like oh this is fine she goes to church a lot I don't you know good for you so does Anne of Green Gables Mm -hmm. like right but then when I was in grad school the library that was our library school library had a historical children's book section Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there was this whole like that's when i learned that it was a whole series and i was like well dang all right but i found them all in like project gutenberg Mm -hmm. or something i was like i'm Mm -hmm. gonna read some more of these like because i read these other ones and they are well first of all they are incredibly anti-catholic in a very specific 19th century kind of way like there is a part where her dad because her the first book is basically her being like, why doesn't my dad love me? And him being like, because she won't, like, play the piano on Sunday. <laughs> okay. Um, and he's just like, okay. well, I want you to play the piano. And she's like, well, but I can't because of the Lord. And he's like, well, then you're going to sit at this piano. Forever. Oh, jeez Louise. <laughs> yeah. But then at the end, he's like, wait, but I love you. Because I think she almost <laughs> dies, which is what always happens in those <laughs> of course. books. You know, she gets a fever or something. And then he's like, wait, I've been wrong. But one, she in the second book, someone basically like her dad threatens to send her to a convent school where she's just like, they're going to make me be a nun and I'm going to be whipped every day by priests. And it's like, whoa. Oh no. Oh gosh. Elsie, who's been telling you what? But the big (laughs) thing that got me was that I realized that when I was reading the Wikipedia that she marries her dad's best friend. Ew. Ew. A man who, in the first book, and we're told a bunch of times that her dad was very young, that like he married a woman that his father didn't approve of when they were like both 18 or something, and then she died almost immediately after having the daughter. But there is a point where the best friend is basically like, You can come live at my house with me and my mom, Mm -hmm. and like, You can be my daughter. No. And then I guess when she turns 18, like that all goes out the window. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and they have like seven kids or something. But I was like reading the what? Wikipedia, and I'm just like, da, 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 she married who? I yeah
1: yeah. I mean, I do think I feel like there's other stories where that's happened, where it's like the ward yeah. has that's like, a true. married yeah, oh, yeah. for the, sure. Basically, like the foster father or adopted father. Yeah, or that's well.
2: What is that? Oh God, what is that movie? Daddy Long Legs. I think it's a Leslie Caron movie. Oh 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 yes yeah. Where yeah. it's basically like. A mysterious man pays my tuition. Oh, we're in love. Like what? Yep. Yeah. And that's just one of those. Gross. And again, it's just one of those tropes where, even if I just set back for a second and I try to think, okay, let me think of like all my dad's friends. Like, nope, nope,
0: still, yeah, <laughs> no, thank
2: you. <laughs> yeah. In what way would it be? No. In, some no. of them are very nice men. However, <laughs> it's like nope, 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 nope. What yeah. is that one? Not gonna happen.
1: Was it a Scott in the Dark? Yeah, Scott in the Dark. That was one that tried to buck against this is my ward and now I'm in love with her. (laughs) Yeah, because Mm -hmm.
2: he doesn't, he inherits her. Yeah. Like they don't really know each other,
1: but he still is like, I know that this is something that happens often and I don't want to be that guy.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Cause you know everyone's just like, well, she's super pretty. You could just keep her for yourself. Yeah. And He's like, ew. Yeah. He's like,
1: that's gross. And also, good for him. He's also like, I'm too large to fit in the most doors. Like, I have
2: problems. He's <laughs> so big, Aaron. He can't fit in pants.
1: He's like, is this the one? Is this the part of that series? The one guy that's like, so what? What's that so one? The, you said, yeah. So this is part of the Scandal and Scoundrel series of Scandal. Yeah, and Scoundrel. it's a good series okay. by Sarah McLean again because she's great. Yeah. Um, gotcha. But yeah, he's basically he is the Hulk. Yeah, Scottish Hulk. Is he like like Kylo Ren? Bigger. <laughs> yes. Imagine imagine bigger. imagine if Kylo Ren was thick as fuck. <laughs> wow.
0: Basically the entire time okay. they describe
1: him, they're like, yeah, his clothes are straining
2: every second he's in them. He usually lives on his estate in Scotland, yeah. so he's just always wearing like, you know, a linen shirt mm-hmm. and a kilt. Gotcha, gotcha. And then he comes to London and he's got to wear like trousers he's never heard of a tailor ever and every tailor is like hey man <laughs> to be fair Whoa. to the ward guardian situation yeah he inherits her yes. has no idea yeah. okay he's like looking at paperwork and someone's like oh and then there's your ward and he's like my who oh <laughs> and she's like 23 yeah she's
1: older <laughs> oh okay um but yeah and that's one that's one that i liked where he was actively bucking against it he's like i don't want to do this because this is something that dudes do often, where
2: they have a ward yeah. and they use that relationship. Although I do like, yeah, that when they initially hook up, when they're in like her little garret room, and he's like, I cannot even fit. He's either. like, I
1: barely fit. Oh. I barely fit in this bed. Like he has to, like duck his head to fit anywhere.
2: <laughs> I think he. I mean, honestly, I think he goes down on her because he's just like there is no room for anything else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is amazing that the book, the amount. This is what you get, babe. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the, sorry, the, we'll do everything
1: else. The later. amount of time that the book spends on just talking about how large this guy is <laughs> its like so large, large.
2: <laughs> well I always find that funny with actors when you can tell it, they're filming something that isn't well like a superhero property mm-hmm. while they're in superhero shape yeah our all mutual friend Gina Radcliffe mm-hmm. we were talking about the movie version of We Have Always Lived in the Castle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where uh Sebastian Stan plays Charles Blackwood and there's a scene well they do the scene where he like walks into shortlist so that you know Constance could be like oh my god like a man of course but it's also mm-hmm. Sebastian Stan in like Marvel shape so it's like <laughs> oh this incredibly ripped man just walked through the door Uh you gotta I love know. it It's amazing it's also sort of like like Chris Evans and Knives Out yes it's like you're very beefy <laughs> it's and... like I I can see yeah. your muscles
1: under your cable knit how is that possible <laughs> under, cable knit
2: sweater how, that sweater's got so
1: many how holes, holes because you're busting through yeah, it what are
2: you that's doing? Right.
1: That's yeah. That's the only reason they put him through that. But that, like, to, that. to
2: our earlier, like, what you were saying about Kylo Ren. I never watched Girls, but I like when you see. I would see promo pics of when Adam Driver yeah. was clearly having to play this just a random dude in Kylo Ren. Shape. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm just a guy. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> yeah. a New York actor. <laughs>
0: yeah. Your average, mind me. just, just a normal, hanging out at the farmer's yeah.
2: market. Yeah. Don't mind me at all. I don't lift too many weights. I. <laughs> I'm just a yeah, guy. I, I look like an absolute like Burmese mad yeah. dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is something I have noticed on TikTok that Gen Z has been discovering girls and mm-hmm. I'm like we can move past that. Yeah, I yeah. so I, I watched girls when it was on in current. I'm sorry.
1: And I will <laughs> say that what got me through it mostly was Adam Driver. So
2: Yeah, that's what yeah. I've heard from a lot of people.
1: That was my first time knowing that he existed, and he was extremely compelling in the show, (laughs) I'll say. Mm -hmm. And that's mostly what I stayed tuned for.
2: Yeah, I mean, i it's a very good show, and there was a lot that I really liked Mm -hmm. about it, but I am not so invested in busting drug dealers that I watched Anarchos for the plot. Mm. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I understand. Yep, it happens. Sometimes it happens. Yeah, sometimes you just gotta gotta muddle through. Yeah, I mean, Bridgerton... (gasps) I mean, we weren't muddling through, but still, it helped. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely episode one. I was like, who's this man? The minute he rides into town on his horse, I'm like, oh, (laughs) it's going to be one of those shows. (laughs) Oh, no. My biggest offense was when I watched it, because I had to start it a little later than most people, just because of family stuff and whatnot. But it was just me, I think, texting Aaron and being like, I'm sorry, you didn't tell me he had a boxing party." <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Yes. Who's this guy? Yeah. Hello. He, is, he needs his show. He does. Spin off, oh <laughs> please. His Instagram is my show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same
1: yeah when I I think I told Elvis earlier that right before our Christmas break at the library a coworker had told me that she was very excited about this Bridgerton show and I was like oh yeah I've heard things and um she's like well do you see like the the guy who's the main like male lead in it and I was like no I haven't really (laughs) seen him and she showed me his picture and I was like oh yeah like he's he's very attractive but for some reason I think I needed to see him in motion you know? He's a very attractive man, just in general. Yeah. He, nothing does it for me like him in Regency clothing. Like, there's something next yeah. level to, about yeah. it. Yeah. And him, like, talking and just moving and blinking his enormous big eyes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, I just, eyes. like... Yeah, I was, like... Eating things oh, with a very small
2: spoon. <laughs> e- oh, yeah. God. Little, yeah. yeah. That I have to say,
1: so... <laughs> well, so I am again. I'm trying to secret some things out into this universe, and mm-hmm. I've talked to Aaron about this. But I'm just gonna make it even bigger. Put it on my vision board. I have already fan cast Sir Philip from Eloisa's storyline mm-hmm. as Winston mm-hmm. Duke, and no other oh no God. other man will do yeah. for me. Winston Duke yeah. has to be Sir Philip. I'm sorry.
2: Okay, talk Winston about a dude Duke. who's gonna be like, it's hard for me to be in <laughs> yeah. little trousers. Yeah. <laughs> And he's gardening in his little. They green spend a house. lot of time mm.
1: into Sir Philip with love, talking about how beefy this
2: dude is, and Winston dude. That's true. Fits the bill. So surprisingly yeah. beefy. Yeah. They're always surprisingly beefy. Oh, always. It's and always like, a surprise. And he's he's so
1: beefy, and he's handling handling like such tiny little yeah. delicate oh.
2: flowers
1: with his and big And he's old doing hands. manual labor. Oh my god, how hot! <laughs> yeah.
2: It's so hot. Yeah. No, I'm that's I'm accepting that there is a character. Thank you. <laughs> from the Mandalorian who. Uh, doesn't actually have an actor because the character was played by a stunt person mm. and voiced by uh, John Favreau. Oh. But the common fan cast in fanfic a lot is Winston Duke. Cause it's like a big beefy yeah. like, character. And it's just one of those where you're just Ooh. like, no, it's fine. Yeah. We, we accept this. This now is canon. Dear Disney.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, we just want more. Winston. That's yeah. all. That's <laughs> all I'm asking for.
2: <laughs> and maybe yeah. the downside of that is that he would be playing a Mandalorian, which means we wouldn't get to see his beautiful face. Right, so we have true. to kind of balance yeah. it out.
1: I'll just say this. He is a Duke, so just give him a romance already. Give him a there Regency romance. Please.
2: There you go. <laughs> that was another one where it was just, you know, watching Black Panther where it was like, I like this movie. This is a great movie. All these people are so great and this is what? Who? Is yeah, that? and then
1: they get they get up into the mountains, you're like, What? Is
2: is there I beg your pardon
1: Please, is this movie you're telling me this movie's almost over? Come on.
2: Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. Bring them back. Bring... No, what no, was no, was no, the... no. Wait, what was the
1: tweet that was like it's like I want M'Baku to throw out yeah. my back yeah, M'Baku could blow my back out which was amazing yeah. <laughs> give that person a, give greatest. that person a Pulitzer Prize that... I want to like send that person a, yeah, a bouquet of flowers just made and that life.
2: is made all the better by one Sebastian Stan reading it and then just his Anthony Mackie they're just absolute glee Yeah. At this. (laughs) They read it, and Winston is just sort of like, well, hey, and Sebastian and Anthea are just like, Like... (laughs) woo!
1: Oh, God, that's the funniest.
2: That should have been the entirety of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, was just the two of them being like, (laughs) woo! Reading some tweets. I mean, they had their moments, but, you know, they had other important stuff to do. More joy. Just, like, give characters... Make it fun! (laughs) Make it fun. Make it fun.
1: Exactly. Before we started recording, I was talking to to both Megan and Aaron about how I recently started watching Outlander for the first time. I've started the Outlander journey. And one of the things that it, it's making it hard for me to get through the show a little bit. And I understand that things have to happen for the show to continue to be interesting. But part of me is like, don't these people ever get a break? Ever? Yeah. Does it have to right, be yeah, this right. high octane all the fucking time? Can't they <laughs> yeah, sleep in yeah, exactly. one morning? <laughs>
2: because well, all their free time they're boning yeah fair so there's really not True. time to develop hobbies yeah. or outside interests yeah. especially when or... everybody is trying to like kill you or fuck you or yeah i only i read i will say four and a half of those books because i got to five and i was like i can't it's so I much we can't it's, anymore there's a breaking point i think there's so many yeah. characters by that point and she's yeah. just like you're gonna care about these people and i'm like i don't <laughs> but diana i don't yeah <laughs>
1: Please. We touched on this a little bit with talking about scandal-induced marriages, but Bridgerton also has kind of the idea of a marriage of convenience, which is somewhat the mm-hmm. same. But, you know, the, the marriage that happens because it just needs to happen. And everybody understands, like, mm-hmm. it's just going to be better if we get married. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I think that's also, I mean, you know, it could be more of a cultural thing too, but like an um, arranged Mm -hmm. marriage, Mm -hmm. I think would follow, like fall in that same trope. And then in that trope, there's the marriage of convenience slash arranged marriage into love. Yeah. They marry first and then they fall in love. And like, I think that's another one that can happen. Mm -hmm. Like I have... um, a friend who she's she was born here in maryland but spoiler alert that's where i'm from <laughs> <laughs> this podcast. man but, we were gonna uh, do a um, big cliffhanger and it's completely yeah, ruined now if you could tell <laughs> if anyone in like the mid-atlantic area couldn't tell that i have such a yeah. thick country yeah maryland if you've listened actually, to this and not then... realized that we are two east coast girls <laughs> then that's on you (laughs) then put your ears on yeah but her her parents are from Mm -hmm. pakistan and they had an arranged marriage and uh i remember because like we used to like play field hockey together and stuff and i would be over there all the time and talking to her mom about that because i was like what was that like that's so that's you know not something that i've ever Mm -hmm. heard of before or whatever and She's like, well, our, like, families were friends. And, like, he essentially grew up as, like, an extended friend of mine. And, like, yeah, it just, like, so happened that we eventually found that we were in love. And, like, mm-hmm. it didn't happen on our wedding yeah. day. But, like, you know. And I was like, that's a sweetness that, yeah, I just wouldn't have guessed before. before yeah. And I that. think, like, in romance books, like, specifically, it, again, just, like, the, the ruse into reality... The, the fake relationship it provides that structure for the tension to exist mm-hmm. because you have somewhat forced closeness because if you're married to somebody you're going to be around them a lot generally
0: yeah, um, yeah. And you're going
1: to have confusing feelings things are going to happen that you're going to have to work through all that stuff it gives mm-hmm. people a reason to continue to interact with each other and to also have to deal with their feelings and emotions about it. and one of the things that i love is romance books where just like in The Duke and I, getting married is the halfway point of the book, and yeah. they have to deal with a bunch of stuff after they get married, which I think is even more interesting mm-hmm. than the build-up to marriage. Mm-hmm.
2: And I think sometimes, even though this is usually not the main couple or the main thing we get, you know, sometimes that was side couples, the sainted Charlotte Lucas... Mm -hmm. who were supposed to at first you know see it as elizabeth sees it where you're just like you're doing what Mm -hmm. yeah but it's like what is she supposed to do and she points that out and like she actually ends up it's a pretty sweet not bad like honestly it is it's not the worst thing in the world like she knows how to handle her
1: husband she knows what it is he wants she sends him out into the garden all the time some days they go the whole
2: day and they never yeah. even see each other. So she doesn't have to feel like a other. burden yeah. on her
1: family anymore. She has a nice house. Mm-hmm. She, mm-hmm. you know, has the patronage of <laughs> Lady de <Bourg>. She, <laughs> Lady Heather yeah. de Bourg. <laughs> so Yeah, she has a decent life. And she makes a practical choice. And a yeah. lot of marriages, yes. you know, as much as like, obviously romance books are about romance and love and all that. But a a lot of marriages, they're contractual and they're practical, especially during Mm -hmm. that time period. It was just Mm -hmm. something that a woman had to do in order to survive and live comfortably in their life. Mm -hmm. A lot of people did not have the luxury
2: of a love match. They are rare for a reason. That comes up a lot in a lot of historical fiction. I mean, that's the plot of Sarah Plain and Tall Mm -hmm. is, oh, I can't raise these kids because I'm a lonely man. So, Mail order me a bride. And you know I do, and like hey, yeah, it all works out. Well, and even in the Bridgerton
1: series, in Gregory's book, the last book, so his love interest is actually betrothed to a man, and Gregory, before he fully realizes that, like he's in love with this woman, he's like, well, you know, he'll probably be a good husband, like he won't hurt you, yeah. And it's like, well, great, that Gregory, sucks. So that's like a selling point, I guess. But uh... so we're starting. In the basement, as far <laughs> as standards go? Right, yeah, right,
0: exactly. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, Thanks, Gregory. He's like,
1: he won't hurt you. It's like, yeah. cool. But yeah, at some point, she is like, you know, the man she is betrothed to is mm-hmm. a nice man. And like, there are reasons, spoiler reasons that I won't give, why that marriage wouldn't have worked out very well. However, he would have been like a nice mm-hmm. partner for her. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world.
2: But yeah, I think that one thing is that a lot of people have a, a surface idea of what it meant. Mm-hmm to be a widow or an unmarried woman but it's at the end of the day it's like no really you didn't have a lot of options yeah almost zero yeah. and of a certain social class you couldn't just go out and get a job yeah
1: it was just not uh, possible mm-hmm.
2: so it was like well i guess if i marry this this guy like he's got some money he has a house like he probably won't hit mm-hmm. me uh all right you know <laughs> like, maybe we'll have some kids mm-hmm. that would be nice fine yeah that mm-hmm. was good enough <laughs> I mean and it's not the worst thing no I mean obviously I mean I'd like to point out to the historian to the historical like people fictional people of the world you know I love my husband but it is also nice that like my husband has a job yeah <laughs> like, right sure
1: I mean I think that that's just the mark of being your own person yeah. like you have to have an aspect of your life that yes. is your own yeah I think For sure.
2: And I think that that's something that changes also as your worldview changes. Mm -hmm. Because I think when I first read Pride and Prejudice, I was very still like, Charlotte. Yeah, I think. Yeah, oh, definitely. Like, I get it, but come
1: on. Compared to Jane and Bingley Mm -hmm. and Elizabeth and Darcy and even like Lydia and her her Mm boyos, that book is so about like love match, love match, love match. So then when you are thrown in this like, force of practicality you're like oh god really Charlotte but I think when you do become a little bit older and you understand like the complexities that come with not only being in loving relationships but just being in relationships and living your own life in general yeah
2: yeah it totally makes sense like you know marrying a man after you see his really big house yeah (laughs) right right,
1: exactly oh this is what I said no to shit (laughs) but I think for me the biggest change I mean Charlotte's storyline yes I had always viewed her as the practical person she is the practical Mm -hmm. person among all the characters in Pride and Prejudice but for me the biggest change in my understanding of the character was actually Mrs. Bennett because I Mm -hmm. just like as a young person I read it I'm like god damn what an uptight lunatic she is just wild and why is she so stressed she has nothing to worry about and rereading pride and prejudice as an adult which is a really great reason why you should reread stuff that you read when you're younger yeah Mm oh
0: definitely it
1: reads completely differently because it's like she has every single reason to be stressed out because her daughters have nothing to offer gentlemen who would be the best kind of matches they don't have big dowries. They they don't have anything that would attract what society in th- those days would consider a really good match.
2: And... Her husband treats her like shit. Yeah, her husband
1: mm-hmm. dismisses everything she feels. Yeah, he's always holed up in his office. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and she's like just frantic to ensure that her daughters have a decent life. And the only way she can ensure that is through good marriages she has a very good Mm -hmm. reason to be obsessed with a reputation in the community and also Mm -hmm. with getting them into the line of sight of any eligible man (laughs) so and she she's over the top obviously but that's anxiety that is all anxiety i think on her part yeah i mean if she were around in 2021 Mm -hmm. she would certainly be taking some kind of medication for for that and would have been a much healthier person to deal with that
2: but she'd probably still, she'd still be like a mom. Oh, for sure, for sure, oh, for sure. Like she's a Kris Jenner. Yeah, like, she's just yeah. Like, we, oh, here we've we go. been we've yeah. been calling
1: them momagers.
2: Oh, oh I like the it. momagers. I do that sometimes to harass my mom. I'll just go a full day and I'll be like, mom. <laughs> Mama, She's like, why do you still talk to me?
1: <laughs> but at the same time, like, all these women, these you know, women who have daughters of age, especially, that is the one thing that they can do for their children at that point in their lives. And mm-hmm. of course, they're going to be obsessed with it because they want the best for their children, and also, you know, to make good contracts with other families who are wealthy.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is often the worst parts to me in a lot of romances where there is the mother who. Is trying to do kind of the trickery yes, where they're like, they're just sort much. of yes. trip and fall on him. Yeah. Like, just yeah. like he might touch your bosom and then, you know, you're compromised. It's like, ew, mom, stop no, it. We're not gonna. If anyone wants to see a modern version of that, I think
1: L, Megan, and I know they exist in Katie Dramas. <laughs> oh my so, gosh. <laughs> take yourself right over there and you will see plenty of those ladies. Oh my gosh. So many of those.
2: <laughs> those are also great in terms of. When the historical ones, especially what constitutes a, a scandal,
0: mm, because yes. sometimes mm-hmm. it is
2: just like, I saw this person talk to you and it was 1030 at night. Yeah. And right. It's like what? I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, well, we were both walking in the same. You guys were we out in the dark area of
1: the balcony for five minutes. So obviously mm-hmm. you're ruined.
2: <laughs> like yeah, what was going within, on? Yeah. Like yep. he, he had to grab me by the wrist. I was going to leave, but he grabbed my wrist, and I could not leave. <laughs> and then seven cameras had to go okay. to
0: every angle of it.
2: <laughs> play in slow replay 16 times. There's a scene in Ricky Historian where they fall asleep together, just asleep, like mm-hmm. in a gazebo. And mm-hmm. they wake up and, like, the, the prince's servants find them. And his, like, manservant, who was, like, the comic relief character, is literally just losing his shit a mama. Where he's just like, what is happening? Oh, my God. Why are you sleeping here with her? Oh, no. <laughs> and they're both so fully clothed that yeah. it's like.
1: <laughs> they're wearing, like, ten layers of clothing apiece.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're wearing historical clothing. It's like, don't, nothing happen also the prince and rookie historian is a very lovable idiot so (laughs) nothing would have happened because that poor boy
1: can we have a quick executive meeting yeah sure i'll be in the conference room in a minute it was raining cats and dogs out and i gotta hang this wet ass beaver hat up on the hearth else it'll never dry We got a new public notice in, and I know they've paid, but I'm not sure if we should read it. It's pretty messy and one-sided. That's never stopped us before. True, we do love the hot goss. And money. Take a look, though. This guy sounds like such an ass. Oh, I see. He's big mad. But we did take a shilling. True enough. We never said we wouldn't add commentary, though. The commentary is for free. And now, a public notice from paying customer, Mr. Michael McKeel. Whereas my wife Mary, without any just cause of complaint, hath eloped from my bed and board, all persons are therefore desired not to trust her on my account, as I am determined not to pay any debt she may contract after this date, (laughs) unless she returns to her good behavior... Ugh. All persons are forewarned at their peril, harboring her. Mm-mm. Oh my, dear listeners. Something tells me there's at least one more side to this story. And if you're hearing this, Mary, stay bad. Stop by our offices. We've got a shilling with your name on it. For tropes there's a reason that they exist over and over mm-hmm. and over again some people would say maybe formulaic or whatever but does using them cheapen fiction or cheapen storytelling in any
2: way I don't think so because well what I don't think I don't know what you can do without them yeah yeah we talked a bit yeah. about when you try to shoehorn them in because there are times that right. they're not going to work or be appropriate mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that also because we've talked about this before when you see those ads for like the web comics and stuff mm-hmm. where they're still trying to do it's like it's an arranged marriage, but they're werewolves. Yes. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. just pick one of those. Right. <laughs> really, right. It can be
1: too tropey. Yeah.
2: You know, once you start loading it in, it's like, oh, and there's soulmates and this is a chosen one and it's this and that. And that's, you know, <laughs> right. in comics, right. it's in fiction, you know, it's many, many, uh, a YA fantasy novel <laughs> where you're just mm-hmm. like, this is a lot. Yeah. And when you start laying it on just trope upon trope upon trope or Yeah, shoehorning them in where it wouldn't make sense, Mm -hmm. and that's why I think I like the only one bed so much because I think that is one that is tends to be used very well, even if it's a silly situation.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Because there's very little, because I think there's a Fraser episode where this happens too, and it's just like there's Mm -hmm. no reason why you wouldn't just sleep on the floor or on the couch Mm -hmm. or something. Like no one is checking up on you. Like no. Mm-hmm. No one is doing that or there's no reason why you can't just share a bed and go to sleep. Right. Yeah, a, l- a lot of these situations that, like,
1: are completely avoidable. But <laughs> well, and that's the thing about the yeah, the one the one bed is that like clearly these characters are aware of their feelings so strongly that like they both realize that close physical proximity is going to like be dip, yeah. make it difficult for them. To like hide their feelings, yeah. and it's like, well, if you guys are like already having this conversation, yeah. yeah, you're just not cool with sharing the bed, or like just deeming one of you sleep on the floor or whatever. Yeah, you got something to work out. There's an in- inevitability that they both recognize to what's going to happen, yeah. and I think that's somewhat yeah. the fun in it is like both of them mm-hmm. in their minds trying to resist this thing that's inevitable, and then also yeah. kind of trying to rationalize it <laughs> to themselves. Until, mm-hmm. you know, they're I full on. Do you like
2: how fast that always goes from like zero oh, yeah. to just like, well, now we're doing it. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, yeah. all right, guys. See, clearly you had some stuff to work out because <laughs> you'd make out a little. But Every
1: genre has their
2: conventions and
1: they have their mm-hmm. tropes. And the reason for that is the audience for these genres come into it with expectations.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Anybody who wants to be a popular book writer will try to meet. There's to be a true romance, for instance, there has to be either a happily ever after or happy for now ending. It has to end Mm -hmm. happily. Mm -hmm. And that's a promise that's made to the audience that you're going to read this thing and shit's going to go down and it's going to get rough maybe, but I promise you Mm -hmm. they're going to work through this somehow. (laughs) And that's what gets Mm -hmm. people through to the end and through the the difficulties that lie in the book. Uh, Because sometimes it can be rough in the middle. Yeah, Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: yeah, you have to have that promise there to the audience and when people break that for the sake of breaking it it usually doesn't work unless you're doing it intentionally unless you're trying to subvert something and you're doing it with skill (laughs) then it's not gonna work just to like break all of the the tropes and conventions within a genre because yeah it's also in a way it's a language with the audience right because Mm -hmm. that brings immediate understanding to what's going on And why it's going on. And that Mm -hmm. then creates the ability to subvert things and to twist things around to make it fun and new. And good Mm -hmm. authors will make it fun and new and interesting and unexpected Mm -hmm, because there's so many things that can happen within all of these tropes that are different. There's something to be said for, like, reader Mm -hmm. confidence. When you read something and you're like, I kind of know where this is going. A, you are compelled to see how it'll work out since you think you know Mm -hmm. how it's going to go. B, it gives them an opportunity to subvert that or, you know, upset that trope or do it in a new and interesting way. And C, it's like Mm -hmm. pop music. You know, when you listen to pop music, things are happening in like 4-4 time. Well, you might already know that you like it a little bit. You can even kind of like sing along without fully knowing the story. So it just, it's like a familiarity and novelty kind of rather than one.
2: And I think a lot does depend on the author because you can read the back of a book and think, I have never heard of a story like this. But if it's not written the way you like it you're just not gonna like that it doesn't matter if it's a brand new exciting story and I think that that's something that comes up a lot when people complain that you know movies are all remakes Mm -hmm. or whatnot I think that one there Mm -hmm. are compelling ways to retell stories Mm -hmm. and two I've seen movies where it's like I've never heard of anything like this before oh this is a Neil Breen picture yeah (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. wait this is why I've never heard of this before yeah (laughs) Right, right right okay
1: I do think that there is a Contingency out there of people who people who are prone not to like romance anyway. Generally, Mm -hmm. kind of look Mm -hmm. at the conventions of it, look at the tropes, and say this is why it's not interesting. Because we know that these things happen. We know that they're going to end up fine. Whatever happens, like who cares? They're going to end up, you know, happily ever after. Happy for now. And all I have to say to those people is, you have truly never learned the lesson that it's a it's all about the journey. It's not about the destination. Right. And also the love was inside you all along. And you'll you'll never if you if you don't get into romance you'll never understand that. I'm just kidding. Well and like if you want to read Infinite Jest, go fucking read I've Infinite. I've tried Jest. Like who cares? I've I mean, tried
2: so just, many like, times. I think...
0: <laughs> it's well, embarrassing. That, actually
2: not Infinite Jest, but there was a point, and this is why I read not as much as I used to, but I read those Amish novels. Yes. Like the Amish Mm -hmm. romances. And that's because I went through a phase where I was reading so much, quote unquote, literary fiction that I was like, I Mm -hmm. want to read something where I know at the end, everyone's happy and they're eating pie. Yeah, absolutely. And there is nothing wrong with saying, well, I suspect that these two crazy kids on this road trip in just one bed are going to fall in love. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And I would like to see that happen.
1: It's a comforting thing to go into something knowing that the promise is there. You're going to be fine. Like you're emotionally going to be good. Everything's going to work out. (laughs) It's fine. Elle knows this, that I'm not like the biggest reader of of romance. And frankly, for this podcast, I've read more romance (laughs) than I've ever read. But around every Christmas, I do read a cozy Christmas Mm -hmm. something, Mm -hmm. like a cozy mystery or a cozy romance sometimes or whatever. And it's because I just want something... (laughs) Where they describe a small town being lit up and some Christmas trees and everything smells like
0: Mm apple spice
1: and like whatever. Yeah, I think that that's the beauty of all of these genres existing is that there doesn't have to be a literary like hierarchy or anything. It can fit whatever you need. If you read Infinite Jest and enjoy it, I doubt you do. But <laughs> that's fine. I've done a lot of, like, personal learning, I would say, in the last... Well, even just a couple years, like, working for a public library and, like, trying to, like, broaden my horizons when it comes to genres or whatever. Just because it didn't make some sort of critical best list yeah. or whatever doesn't mean that it doesn't have merit. I would argue that there are merits within these things that, you know, someone who would turn a blind eye because of just the genre would never know about only because they would never pick yeah, it up mm-hmm. and that's you know that's sad but tropes exist in literary fiction just as much absolutely as they exist in, well so. and
2: that's the thing is that i i think my turning point with that was i read oh what was it fates and furies mm-hmm. and it was a good book but i was on a bus i don't know why i said it like that on <laughs> a bus. but I, I was on a, i was on a bus going somewhere and i finished it and it's so down mm. the ending is just so and everyone was miserable yeah but it was very literary. But I was just like, you know, every single trope in this novel was a classic, just, you know, everyone's, oh, everyone's, you know, got secret pasts and abusive backgrounds Mm -hmm. and all kinds of stuff. But no one at the end has the slightest bit of joy. I do not recall that book ending in any kind of way where you were like, some of these characters are going to be all right. Yeah. You know, everyone was miserable or dead.
1: And those stories have their place. They are, oh, yeah, they're great for what they are, and they deliver something to the audience who
2: who wants to read them. That's why like teenage girls of our generation love Lurleen McDaniel. <laughs> oh, I, I introduced Elle to and McDaniel pretty early on. Amazing. Do
1: you remember Elle, I, like sent you the covers of those. They're like all eternal oh, yes. illness. Oh yes. Oh no. Yes. Yeah.
2: Endless books. Wild about, covers. Like, Sheena went to yep. the farm because yes. She's gonna die. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we yeah. all wanna walk to remember, don't we? <laughs> it's like, eat your heart out. We, oh, we actually don't. I don't. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but no, like, yeah, like there is time for a depressing ass story mm-hmm. that can move you in different ways. There's time for romantic stories. There's time for adventure. There's time for your. I don't really like westerns, but people love westerns as
2: well. I like romance novels set in the Old West. Yes. That's, that's like good. a western. There you go. But yeah, fantasy.
1: Obviously, people love it, but they all serve, I think, different purposes. And I don't think Mm -hmm. there's art is not a competition. Exactly. The Mm -hmm. art that you dig, the art that speaks to you or that you're interested in or that you're just like compelled to pay attention to doesn't necessarily. I wouldn't take anything negative away from somebody who's like, yeah, I like fantasy. That's just what they dig. My
2: issue is always that people want to deny the similarities between things. Mm -hmm. Like, I read fantasy and I've read a lot of what is referred to on TikTok as fairy porn. And that's fine. But the idea that people act like it's lesser than something like, I don't The Wheel of Time or Game of Thrones or something because Mm -hmm. I don't know, one, because women like Mm -hmm. it. But Mm -hmm. two, it's this, well... Maybe if I want sex in a fantasy novel, I want it to be sex that anyone would actually want yeah, to have. Yeah, exactly. Like, good sex? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Surprise. Consenting sex? There are times, George R. R. Martin, where I'm like, you're a married man. Yeah. You should know better. <laughs> and I I say this a lot, but when I say this a lot on our podcast, when we inevitably talk about Stephen King, uh, it's like, I know you're I married. I was just going to yeah. say Stephen
1: King, because- You've been
2: married for so long. His sex scenes- <sighs> Sir, I... you have three children. I know you've had you've sex. You've done this before. <laughs>
1: Like, yeah
2: have your wife look at these because what the hell my man <laughs> uncle steve why is this happening yeah
1: i don't un- i don't understand not everyone can write sex so just don't no write. a lot of people can't do actually. a classic fade yeah. out just do yeah. it and so much of it in Stephen king is meaningless it's not like a plot point it doesn't move anything yeah forward. and it means nothing yeah.
2: well there are times with his books where i do appreciate that I've always liked that he is willing to show that a lot of people, even good people, can sometimes suck. Yes. You know, people can True. make poor decisions. They can make mistakes. They can think, well, the world is ending, so I'm just going to, you know, hook up with this guy. Oh, shit, the world didn't end. But mm-hmm. it's just when it gets down to the nuts and bolts of it, you're like, mm, what is
1: happening? Yeah, <laughs> sex as arthritis pain relief. I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs>
2: That needful Things? Sure was.
1: <laughs> oh, God. Look
2: at that <laughs> Needful
1: Things is one of the most problematic sex. The needful sex- Things, and especially that scene Ugh. where the- where the sheriff comes in and she's having like an, arth- her hands are like all arthritic and he's like making moves on her. And she's like, what hands? I don't have hands anymore. I don't feel a thing. Cause you got that dick.
2: Yeah. You got that magic dick. Her options were that dick or Satan. So fair. Fair.
1: Yeah. That lives oh. in my head rent free For
2: sure. I know that's fair for me. It's always been, and this is so awful. It is. And it's not the one you're thinking of people out there. it is from it but it's when we get flashback to when Beverly like first met her uh, awful husband mm-hmm. he's thinking about them like the first time that they had sex mm-hmm. and he describes it as sliding into her it was like sliding into an exquisite oil no.
0: No. And that has it's been not. My brain
2: since about the age of 11 uh, uh. because I was uh, like, uh. what? It was like, what? <laughs> like, what? It was? What?
1: Oil? <laughs> the other one that I think of often, I mean, we're off track here, but the other one that I think of often is...
2: <laughs> hey, bad sex is a trope, too. Yeah, true.
1: true. But Stephen King's Bag of Bones, there is a scene, it's not even like a sex scene. His wife is dead. He's going through these things of hers and he's like having a real hard emotional time with it. And he comes across this picture of her. And I think she's like, it may be in a swimsuit or bikini or something. And then Stephen King just goes into describing how incredibly rock hard it makes him. He's like basically (laughs) weeping and like so sad about his dead wife. And he looks at this picture and he is just like fucking velvet over steel. (laughs)
2: Dylan McDermott like, from American maybe, Horror Story, maybe not
1: even like the velvet, just no. pure steel, because it's like almost like a painful, It's almost like a painful erection, so bad oh, that the no. only thing he can do to stop his erection is go jump in the lake. <laughs> That's how <the> only... <laughs> he's reduced down.
2: Oh man, he's like what that ghost oil do. <laughs> yeah, it's and there's just so many moments. In King novels where someone, I mean, people have intrusive thoughts. People have inappropriate yep. thoughts. But there's so much mm-hmm. like, oh, this person is dead and I kind of see her panties. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> no. We, Steven. Yeah, that's so
1: true. That is so Steven.
2: true.
1: Every genre has their shit, right?
2: <laughs> and yeah, sure, usually. Sure,
1: sure. I mean, and bad sex is such a thing that they have you know, oh, yeah.
2: infamous awards for it.
1: Bad sex is everywhere Mm -hmm. and truly the genre that gets sex the most right that I've read is romance.
2: No, absolutely. That's true.
1: They are the ones that make compelling sex for non men to read. (laughs) Yeah. The sex does not Mm -hmm. actually care about the man's pleasure that much. It does, but like it's so, it's more focused on the woman's pleasure.
2: Well, and that was something like to, to call back to an earlier discussion. That was something that I actually read a lot in criticism of girls was that people saying that initially it was more focused on that. It was like, this is all this from this female perspective, but then it just sort of became like, I don't know. They're fucking. Yeah. It's like, whatever. (laughs) We're not going to examine this anymore. Like Adam driver is going to take his shirt off. Adam
1: driver's naked. That's all they're going to care about.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That poor man. He doesn't even like to watch his own stuff. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Just treated like a piece of meat basically in girls. (laughs)
2: I mean, and I, I shouldn't laugh at no. that because no one should be treated like a no. piece of meat. But sometimes when actors are like, I had to take my shirt off, it's like, okay, and? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, on that set, though, I'm sure Thank it was you. everyone. I because I bet, I feel like every scene, Lena Dunham was like, what if I was naked? I She, she <laughs> no. just was like, let me be <laughs>
1: naked for the entire thing, please. <laughs>
2: like, no, ma'am, please. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I respect your personal decisions, mm-hmm. but it's not body positivity all of that but you do not
1: have to be (laughs) naked to do this scene (laughs) is a thing we talked about this a little bit but are there any books that come to mind for you megan or Aaron, where you know one of the tropes in bridgerton fake relationship brother's best friend enemies to lovers so on and so forth are there any books that you can think of where they do it as good if not better than julia quinn does in the duke and i
2: I would say for mine, Mm -hmm. for the enemies to lovers, Mm -hmm. but I would say more of people at odds Mm -hmm. to lovers Mm -hmm. is actually a mystery series. It is The Gaslight Mysteries by Victoria Thompson, which I believe as of this recording, there are 25 of them. Holy cow. They are about a woman uh, named Sarah who is a midwife in New York City. She was a socialite, but she married quote unquote beneath her. Her husband was killed so she works as a midwife she gets entangled with a police officer named frank malloy because she's just sort of in the wrong place at the wrong time for the initial mystery and then after that she's just sort of like here i am again and it it's one of those like now we're solving mysteries yes. together and so the first books there's a lot of him being like i do not want you to solve this mystery with me and she's like i am here And then eventually, you know, it starts to, you know, she's actually very good Mm -hmm. at it. She has connections, like stuff, and they become, you know, friends, partners, and then eventually they do fall in love. And it's done very well because it's, one, it's sort of stuck in the fact that it's not a romance series. Mm -hmm. So it's very slow going, but also because there is that sort of societal thing, because even though she has, you know, married beneath her and is now a widow, she's still like her parents or you know was the upper 600 mm-hmm. or whatever it was called new york society so there's like you know parts where he'll talk about some new legislation or some new rule that the police commissioner has brought down and she'll be like oh like teddy roosevelt i know him <laughs> like, oh old know, teddy stuff like that <laughs> yeah yeah basically she's like i know that guy yeah. and it's like well and you should know he does not like to be called teddy but anyway <laughs> we'll move on sarah <laughs> I only know a few things about history, and one of those things is about Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, but I just those are great because I find the relationship is very realistic and is the slow burn to the point where there were definitely books that would end without them having yet gotten together. I was like, come on, <laughs> that sounds like a torturous slow burn. Twenty-five books? Well, by the last batch okay. of them, they're they're together. All right, right? and those are actually kind of great because this is I think we've so friends of ours mutual friends beau and uh sammy c mm-hmm. have also read them and so we've talked about it because frank Malloy does also become one of literature's great wife guys Ooh, love it like once they actually get together and get yeah. married he's basically just like this is my wife she's, she's cool. everything like, she's the only thing i think she's about so pretty <laughs> and that even though it's not romance and that there's not like sex scenes or anything mm-hmm. like there's a part where they're talking about a woman who may or may not have killed her husband mm-hmm. and He's saying something about you know how he just doesn't understand like that mindset like why wouldn't you just you know all these other choices and he mentions some I forget how it comes up but Sarah has to say like well you know some women don't enjoy having sex and some men are not understanding of that and they do be- mm-hmm. and he's just mm-hmm. basically like that's awful and like men who are like that are are terrible people but I'm I'm glad that you don't hate sex <laughs> she's basically like <laughs> no. come here like you big lug. Oh. <laughs> Because he's also, of course, a very big, beefy Irish cop. Well, so. there you go. Sweet. As Sammy and I like to say, he's the only good cop in literature. <laughs> <laughs> he's the only cop he respects in literature, is Frank Boy. Mostly because he hates being a cop, and he's just like, I just need money, because it's hard to find a job. <laughs> High praise. I think that, we mentioned this earlier,
1: but my favorite Enemies to Lovers is Brazen and the Beast by Sarah McLean. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've heard so her good. once describe it as instead of being cat and mouse, she wanted a cat and cat <laughs> yes. But oh, where they're like both that. equally clever. They're both equally able. They're equals in every single way. And that's why they are such good enemies because they're each other's match. And it is just, it's very compelling. I think one of the best heroines I've ever, that may have ever been created. I have such a soft spot in my heart. For Hattie, she's just the best ever. So yeah, that is a great one where Hattie wants... To be a businesswoman, she wants her family's business. It by all means should be hers because she's already running it. But she lives in a society in a time where they just kind of dismiss her in the whole idea of her running mm-hmm. this business under her name, even though she's worked very hard to to have it, and she's very knowledgeable about the shipping industry.
2: <laughs> yeah, i like her stupid brother,
1: right? Her dumbass brother. But yeah, and then in comes one of the bare knuckle bastards, the most beautiful bare knuckle <laughs> bastard. So beautiful. So beautiful. So so tall so broad and
2: he likes candy and he
1: loves candy and he's good with children That's and he cute. like looks out for the neighborhood he is quote-unquote alpha but his way of being an alpha is taking care of everybody around him yeah he earns his respect by ensuring that the people that live in his neighborhood which is you know not the not the best area in town he is part of the underworld part of the underbelly in london he works in the dark basically he is a scoundrel by society standards but he takes care of his community and that's like his big deal is he wants everybody in his community to have a fair shot at life which makes him also an amazing person (laughs) Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. is such a
2: good book and i respect all romance novels where basically initially upon meeting the hero flat out is like i want to have sex with you
1: oh yeah that is the (laughs) best because like he is like immediately
2: fully into her from the very beginning and he, he even before he knows it's going to be yeah. like you know feelings yeah. of course he's literally just like because her big thing her big goal is she wants to lose her virginity because mm-hmm. you know she doesn't want to get married and lose her shot at getting a business and everything but she's like i want to just yeah, do this she wants thing.
1: to ruin like, herself so that mm-hmm, marriage isn't yeah. the only thing that is her option
2: and he basically is like yeah uh- i'm not letting you just run out with well, he do I'll do it. Yeah, he's
1: like no, I'll, I got it. I got it. <laughs> I'll
2: do. It. And she's like, "Excuse me, we just met." And he's like, "Uh, we're going to have sex." Yeah. Um That That's happens horrible. when the madness of Lord Ian McKenzie too. Cuz nice. he's basically like, "You shouldn't marry this guy that you're engaged to because he's awful and terrible and also cuz I like looking at you and I would like to have sex with you." Yeah. <laughs> and she's just like, "Excuse me? Um like we're at the opera right now." Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's so good because, yeah, he is never, ever for a second in denial about how much he's into the heroine, which is also really great.
2: And I always appreciate just because it's because of the time frame and everything. Mm -hmm. I love any time that a female character dresses in men's clothing and the guys are just like I can see your ass like whoa this is great (laughs) one never do this again because it was a very stupid idea because they almost always are just like no one will know I'm a woman (laughs) and
0: he's like like, um "Um."
2: (laughs) and Hattie is like her whole deal is like she's a big curvy girl she's voluptuous like no one knows I'm in pants yeah. I'm a man yeah. <laughs> and it's just so great because he's just immediately like one I knew you weren't a man because I saw your ass yeah <laughs> like, and he, it basically hey, like the
1: there's nothing you can do to bind these breasts that won't won't tell me like that won't read as you are completely a woman you cannot bind these breasts down <laughs> for shit <laughs>
2: yeah she's like trying she's like no I'm flat it's flat it's fine <laughs> And her cousin slash partner in crime is like, yeah. I don't know what to tell you, but fine. yeah, it's a super just... sweet book,
1: and it exists. The yeah. whole series like exists kind of on the outskirts and outside of the ton and society. They mm. focus around mm. the underbelly of London, England, and like the the rogues and, and scoundrels. So it's something nice. if like you want something that's outside of just society functions. <laughs> mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's great, and yeah, enemies to lovers. Also talking about. The shared bed trope. Also a little bit enemies to lovers. A week to be wicked. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And it's kind of got dinosaurs. And it's kind of got dinosaurs and like archaeology, science, cool. Oh, damn. Blue stocking. Amazing. Oh, that's sweet. And it's. Forced bed, because they're on, it's a buddy road trip basically. So it's forced yeah. bed every single night. <laughs> like forced bed sharing. I love it. And it's great. So my two, I would say, as far as like, I think they've done it the best is for the traumatic background mm-hmm. preventing a character from falling in love or being, you know, vulnerable or whatever. This is, a, <laughs> I mean, uh, okay, I'm a feminist. <laughs> <laughs> and. One of my biggest, like, hurdles as a feminist is the fact that my absolute favorite book is Jane Eyre (laughs) by Mm Miss Charlotte Bronte. And no one does a dramatic or tragic background, maybe of his own doing, but if you read the book, you do realize it's also stupid dad's doing of Mr. Rochester. And, yeah, so he's got a wife (laughs) in the attic, okay? Like, that's just... What was he supposed to do with her? She Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, there's like, uh, but I think the thing about that is that the tragedy is housed in this Gothic mystery. Mm-hmm. So it's not just this thing that exists only with him, like this emotional turmoil, like there's actual spooks happening among, <laughs> among that whole house. Yeah. And, you know, and he's got like a housekeeper who's, who's real crazy. Yeah. It's just the, the whole thing is, I really love that. Approach to that
2: sort of trope. I'll and, never yeah. forgive Jane Eyre for ever making me have to read about Sinjin Rivers, though. I don't need him in my life. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't need no, to know sucks. that it's pronounced Sinjin. Sinjin. <laughs> um, he's dumb. It's true. And just kind of lame. I get yeah. why they're there, and it's nice that Jane finds some family, but that guy is just such a, I don't even know what he's doing there. He's a, like, a wet rag. Oh, my God. He's just a real wet rag. Like, Jane does um, not like, need any more wet the, rags in her life.
1: Yeah, he's like, if you took a himbo, but took a spine <laughs> wow. out of a himbo. It made him and really like,
2: into wanting to be a missionary. yeah probably only do missionary oh my god <laughs> if they even did it at all like frankly sinjin no, is absolutely not. that like well this is a marriage of convenience we don't have to he do he would have seen her stuff. take her hair down and come all over around oh my god. like we that's that's just how he rolls he's just like you know what i've always wanted is a sexless marriage to my cousin <laughs> the yeah. dream yeah <laughs> the the real ashley and melanie wilkes of it all yeah when i think of that book i I feel like I blank out at that whole
1: <laughs> side story. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, she just leaves, and then, like, do, 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 time passes, she and she comes
2: back. Amazing. And Jane. that's it. Yep. I think my <laughs> like, problem the story can end. with that is that, one, I read Jane Eyre probably when I was way too young. Mm-hmm. Same with Wuthering mm-hmm. Heights, which I read when I was 10. And I was like, this all seems fine. Uh, this is normal. Very romantic. <laughs> yeah, this is normal. Heathcliff is a hero. <laughs> I saw the Orson Welles movie, <laughs> and I was just like, yeah. now I have... Just imprinted upon you. Yep. I don't care what you do, yeah. you're Orson Wells. Like you're young Orson yeah. Wells. <laughs> yeah, he's that's he's fine. Beautiful and charming and hilarious. Yeah. And you get Margaret O'Brien doing a French accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's the yeah, she's a little French ward. She just wants to impress. That is an hour and forty five minutes of Margaret O'Brien being like, Bonjour, I am a deaf. <laughs> I am French.
1: <laughs> like, oh. Okay. <laughs> I love bread and cheese. Hello. And so then the, <laughs> <laughs> the the other trope that I think is done very well is, I mean, I don't really think you can get better than Brian Prejudice. Yep. However, second tier for me would be North and South by Elizabeth Fair. Gaskin. Yeah. And so that happens a little bit after the Regency era. It's in the Industrial Revolution. It takes place in the north of England. We've got Margaret Hale and her family come up north from the south. Her dad was part of the church and has kind of had a, like, crisis of faith and leaves the church. And so they they head to the north of England, and it's very different. Obviously, it's not as balmy and, and certainly is more industrial than where they were living. And Margaret is, like, just totally disgusted with how... I guess like sooty (laughs) (laughs) everything is, but also like, you know, people are clearly living in impoverished and people are clearly overworked. And there is a clear class divide that she just maybe wasn't as privy Mm -hmm. to in the South. And so she meets John Thornton, who is the head of this mill and John Thornton is a like stone-faced kind of. Uh, have you
2: seen the miniseries? I have. Oh yeah, I have. Okay. He's, that's yeah, to say. he's played we're, by Richard. Armitage. We're all just gonna think about Richard that's Armitage. That's it.
1: Yeah, saying look, back <laughs> <now."> oh, <no. laughs> look back at me. <laughs> he's beautiful. So yeah, and that and that's another thing where I feel like he's like a Mister Darcy yes. in that he just does not know how to navigate his feelings. Mm-hmm. He does not know what to do with these soft feelings for this woman that he has when the rest of his life has been hardship. Yeah. Cause yeah, he's a mill owner, but he's totally dedicated to his work. And like, he's, you know, he's just as part of the problem as, as yes. anyone else is. Mm-hmm. Everyone's in terrible conditions. So yeah, I love that her softness contrasted with his hardness and like, you know, his, being nose to the grindstone kind of guy yeah and she's like this almost like a civil rights sort of Mm -hmm. you know she really wants better for his workers and for their town in general yeah i gotta watch that miniseries again yeah but the book is very good the book the miniseries does a great job of representing the book i would say
2: one that i did want to mention and it's not because we like the trope but the when we were talking about the brother's best friend leaked into the like did this person raise me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is also something that happens and it has a weird, it's always, I think sometimes when people write in that kind of trope, they don't know where the line comes from. It's one thing to know this person when you were older and they were younger. And then, Mm -hmm. but it's like, if you were in any kind of protective space, Mm -hmm. that it gets a little shaky, but that happens in the, uh, the glass Virgin, which, Oh Yes. Mm hmm. Catherine Coulson. Uh, Catherine Cookson and. Cookson, right. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, this little girl has the world's weirdest backstory. (laughs) Like, frankly, her whole life, you should just be like, no, ma'am, just I'm sorry Mm -hmm. for you. But the kind of, you know, the master of horse at her father's estate is just sort of her best friend Mm. and just mm-hmm. knows her her whole darn life and then they have to go on the run together and wouldn't you know it they fall in love and it's like but he's kind of like oh a wild boy. man he like works with the yeah. earth like he's a man of nature there's a scene in the miniseries because all katherine cookson miniseries are glorious trash <laughs> Where mm-hmm. he is played by, I do not remember his name, the guy that played Mr. Bates, Mr. Bates on Downton Abbey. It's like Brendan something. My friends and I refer to him in Glass Virgin as Senor Bates
0: <laughs> because he does pretend <laughs> to be
2: Spanish. <laughs> That's right. His entire backstory is that he claims that he's half Spanish and I forget what his name is, but it's like Mendoza, something Mendoza. Mm-hmm. But. He is just Irish, (laughs) but he has black hair, so no one ever bothered to check. But it's very funny because he's just like, yeah, I'm completely Spanish. And then he's finally just like, by the way, I'm not really Spanish. Like, (laughs) I hope that's cool. By the end, he's just like, one, I can't stop punching and killing people. He does this twice. (laughs) It's why they have to go on the run and then it happens later. But it's also just, she's such a sheltered, like that's in her entire plot, is that she's incredibly sheltered, Mm -hmm. that she has never met anyone that didn't live on her estate and wasn't her servant. And then she just like has to go on the run and with this guy and then conveniently enough at the end, it's like, let's get married. It's like, well, what else was she supposed to do? Yeah, she
1: couldn't do anything else. She's (laughs) been with this man for how long?
2: All she knows is about glass, like Mm -hmm. making glass in a glass factory. And being a virgin. Mm
1: obviously (laughs) (laughs) that's actually what her dad
2: (laughs) it's what her dad would call her mother Uh, her it turns out it's her adoptive mother but it was derogatory glass virgin Mm -hmm. parentheses derogatory Mm -hmm. but yeah it's just another one of these situations where it's like well okay these characters are great and you want to root for them but also what like it's a little bit yeah i don't believe because i've read the book too and i don't remember if they mention ages but it's like i cannot believe that this actor is supposed to be like I don't know, 16 when they meet. He's clearly oh, a grown yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he's yeah. obviously supposed to be at least in his 20s, and she's nine. Mm-hmm. And then uh, by all the stuff that's happening, I think she's supposed to be like 20, if that. But mm-hmm. again, a 20 year old who has yeah, never left like, her house. Or yeah. Something. yeah. 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 So it's just like, I don't know, man. You're probably the (laughs) least bad option, because I'm sure her dad's kind of a piece of shit. So he probably would have married her to a piece of shit. Also, that's the one. There's a scene in the miniseries where they are both bathing in a river, Mm -hmm. but he is downriver from her and he bathes in her soap bubbles that drifts down to him. So it's like, wow, sexy. Yeah. Yeah. And two, (laughs) there is a point where she thinks that he has hooked up with, they stay at this farm as servants. Mm -hmm. And she thinks that he's hooked up with this woman that works on the farm. And so she tries to kill herself because, you know.
1: Wow. That's what you do. That's a reaction. Yeah, this
2: (laughs) this is a lot. She, like, walks into a lake. She's literally just like, I know nothing but pain. I walk into (laughs) the lake. And they're just like, oh, shit. But while she's, like, unconscious, he says, you know, she thought... I think she thought that I hooked up with this woman, and the grandma of the house is like, Well, did you? Was she right to be upset? Because mm-hmm. they're basically like, We know our maid is kind of a tart. So we know that did she you have sex would with her. Yeah. <laughs> because she does that. And he basically is like, I had too much to drink, if you know what I mean. And the grandma basically winks at him, Like, yep, I get it. <clears throat> Whiskey dick. <laughs> like, whoa, okay. <laughs> like you would well, if you could but you whiskey dick yeah <laughs> i would probably because i was super drunk and i wouldn't know what i was up to but nah i yeah. know for a fact i didn't because uh-uh. yeah like okay <laughs> wow i guess i'll marry this child girl woman
1: before she tries to walk into <laughs> walk a river. To another yeah. lake
2: yeah please stop walking into bodies of water every Catherine Cookson historical has a moment where somebody is like well time to walk into this that river that is highly dramatic <laughs> it's so terrible because yeah like suicide should not be for drama but it's always for drama yeah (laughs) well yeah no one ever is really like well this is this is it you know like this is the choice i've made it's always just well I'm just going to walk slowly into this. Yeah. Room. And especially like
1: in older <laughs> classic kind of romance novels. I feel like that was used as a way to show that this character is highly passionate and very hurt. Yeah. Like it was like shorthand. They have real feelings. Yeah, like, oh, like, like
2: their feelings are legitimate because they're so upset about this that they're going but to yeah, yeah, looking
1: do at do it that. like through a contemporary lens. It's like, this is, this is not okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. This is like manipulative at best. Oh. Portion in the Thornbirds in the mm-hmm. book where so many characters die that it should be a montage. Shh. Oh gosh! And <laughs> I think it's supposed to show that this family, you know, it's almost like they're cursed. Yeah. It's like, well, maybe mm-hmm. that'll happen when your daughter bangs a priest. I guess I don't yeah. know, but he's not a very good priest. And mm-hmm. I think at least one person is just like, this is all too much, and they just walk off a balcony or something. And it's like that's not okay. Jeez. <laughs> Well, I know the dad dies in a bushfire, mm-hmm. and then his son finds his body, but before he can go get help, a giant boar attacks him, and when he shoots the boar, it lands on <laughs> him.
1: Those boars are really out to get oh, yes, everybody. that's right. I do. Man. Yeah,
2: and it's just like, yeah. well, then he died because there was a giant boar on top That'll of him.
1: That'll do it. It's like, what? That'll do it. What? Yeah. What happened? Oh, man. Yeah, imagine the coroner report on that. Cause of death,
2: they Other than the coroner yeah. report, they're just like, well, wacky things happen yeah. in the Australian bush, I guess. I don't know.
1: So, we like to end our podcast by playing a little game. Okay. And usually, I use it to torture Aaron. nice. <laughs> and today, nice. I will use it to torture you and Aaron. <laughs> so... We like to play Would You Rather. I'm going to present two scenarios to you. Please ask questions. Yeah, explore the space. Yeah, if you need more information, I am more than happy to give you more context to make your decision before you go ahead and make a decision. Because you really got to think these things out, I think. Anyway, here we go. Would you rather be a well-known opera singer of the Regency era who has a bright and long career Who once had a doomed from the start romance with one of the Bridgertons, but now, for the foreseeable future, comes under the protection of one particular baron, Nigel Burbrook. (laughs) (laughs) Or be shrunk down, honey I shrunk the kid style, at Cliveden during Simon and Daphne's honeymoon, where you'd need to survive Simon's (laughs) ducal jism being absolutely everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, that last one. Okay. What was the so, end of that? So you'd be, you'd be at Cliveden Clive and something happens. Some sort of like magical realism happens, right? Like let's pretend uh-huh. modern day you comes to Cliveden to like just see the sights, right? And you're like at that okay. folly or whatever, you touch something and you you say, "Man, I wish I could see what this was like back in the day." And like doo 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 you're all of a sudden okay. not only back in those times but you are tiny. You're like a bar or something. Honey, style. I shrunk the kids, tiny. Okay, yeah. Walking around in the grass, running into gigantic ants, but you happen to end up exactly at the time that Simon and Daphne come to Cliveden for their honeymoon. And Simon is just okay. jizzing everywhere, not even caring. Okay. And you're just having to duck and run for cover and also try to figure out how the hell to not be this small anymore or this is figure out a way to survive. The worst.
2: <laughs> Garcia Marquez
1: novel. Uh, first
0: of
2: all, uh,
1: uh. but what, like, what's the benefit about that? Se- so the first one, like,
2: I'm human. I'm human. Sorry. You can you can sing. You can sing.
1: You have a and good it sucks career. Sucks
2: that I have Nigel Burbrook in my life. True, but he's paying all your bills. Yeah, and
1: you're doing. well. And you yeah. could
2: probably like just give him a handy every yeah. now and then, and he'd be like, "Oh my god!" And honestly, he I think <laughs> the Nigel thing is L like really likes to put me in situations <laughs> where
1: I'm forced to somehow be with Nigel Burbrook. You know, I am just trying it. to figure out what the line is. I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> this might be it. You might have because, found it. So here's the thing: Nigel Burbrook is probably into you being mean to him so look, you have that
2: true i That's think that he would point. like
1: it if you were not that nice to him it, he'd be into it
2: even more and you could probably kind of do like a fin dom thing yeah and make him give you all his for money for sure and true um,
1: in this first scenario you also get to have a, you know a doomed romance be it but a romance with a bridgerton sure. of your choice of my choice yeah any mm-hmm. of them oh, mine would be benny
2: yeah, sure. yeah. Um, I don't have time in my life for that Anthony energy. <laughs> <No. laughs> he looks great with his shirt one, off, but oh, boy. Yeah, he's just too
1: much. The second... Like, I needed a few laughs, and I think I'd get mm. them with Benedict and mm-hmm. not really with mm-hmm. Anthony. The second one, I just... As much as I love Reggae jean Page... <laughs>
2: and like, You don't want to duck his cover he is from...
1: Simon Hastings to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't, like... I don't... There's nothing... I don't have that particular kink in me, <laughs> oh. where like I want to be like shrunk down, borrower style, and like have him
2: jizz all over me. Well, my I house. mean, it's not I mean, necessarily think how inconvenient that was for the borrowers on that estate yes, anyway. Exactly. <laughs> I assume all English estate houses have borrowers. <laughs> and you know what? That's in this
1: scenario, you're absolutely right. There is a clan of mm-hmm. borrowers that lives at Cliveden, and the chances mm-hmm. of you meeting them are pretty high. You might end true. up with like a really cool life living in this gigantic mansion, and it's not like Simon's actively trying to jizz on you. It's oh, good God! It's right. just I just it's just that he's very yeah. careless about where he jizzes. It's, it's just, just everywhere, everywhere. Uh-huh. Right. and yeah, like you just have to be very vigilant. The second scenario is really like. A survival situation. I see. And maybe you'd meet mm-hmm. a
2: really hot borrower. Yeah, you
1: could have a really
2: hot borrower. It's true. Don't they have tails, though? I don't know if I'm into that. No, that's the littles. Yeah. The littles have tails. They have a shit
1: ton of children, yeah. though. And I don't know that I want to be well, a little guy hanging around with a bunch of kids
2: running around. Yeah, but also... Because they'd be so little. Also... Like, you would just lose them it. like nothing. There is the chance... Like, where's my kid? Yeah. I don't know. Under a dust bunny. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a yeah. chance,
1: though, that you could find out. You could figure it out. Obviously, in the second scenario you would have your current wits and knowledge.
0: Mm-hmm. But, you know, mm-hmm. with
1: these time traveling, with these, like, body morphing events, there's generally a way to undo it. So there is mm-hmm. still a chance you find out what it is you need to do to get back to your size and or
2: time. But what about our borrower love?
1: I mean, that's on True. you. Then you have a choice to make. Oh my God. Then you're a Claire. You're dealing yeah, with yeah, an outlander situation here where you need to choose your... Husband from your time before, or your borrower partner now. Poor Tobias
2: Menzies. (laughs) So I think that second one. There's too many for me. There's too Mm -hmm. many what ifs. That's yeah. That's just a pile. And also, like, I mean, piles. Like, there's that (laughs) as well. Sure. Plus, I just don't want to have to hear that like magnified Mm -hmm. all over. Like mm-hmm. oh great, Daphne's having seventeen orgasms again. Like, yeah, imagine imagine That's walking fantastic.
1: around in the front yard, just trying to figure out what's no. going on, and then you just hear them hear oh. them on the folly floor
0: going yeah. on the lawn <laughs> yeah on the lawn on, you're like God, I
1: was gonna go have yeah, lunch you, you, there on the ladder <laughs> yeah you smell like you smell like all the like picnic foods and you're like hell yeah I'm so hungry I I'm gonna go get a piece of cheese. <laughs>
2: No! <laughs> it's like, why do I see Simon's yeah. bare butt again? <laughs> and what a sad life to be tired of seeing Simon's yeah. butt. I know.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I don't want to resent him.
2: But like, this is why all those estate houses are haunted. This is why the little stranger happened. Because <laughs> yep. just...
1: Well, and even if I found a way to become human-sized again, he's still going to be married to Daphne. Yeah. He, he won't want yeah. me. Also, they'd so, just be like,
2: who are you? What kind of name is Aaron? Yeah. How much embroidery yeah. are you doing at the moment? <laughs> yeah. Why are you wearing pants? Yeah. You wishy woman. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to be the
1: opera All singer.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: I'm going to have Benedict. I'm going to treat Nigel like shit. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'm going to mm-hmm. like only be in London once a year. <laughs> yeah. Cause like, that's what we've decided on. And I'm going to like travel around the world. Otherwise with my own
2: mm-hmm. boyos. Yep. Wow. Yep. It only, took,
1: Absolutely. it only took one season, but I finally broke Aaron and I got her to choose Nigel. One season.
2: <laughs> yep. You got me. Because she's gonna make him buy her gowns, Mm -hmm. and then just slap. That's honestly a
1: good choice. I think I I, there's really nothing. (laughs) I mean, the other side of this. Last time, I literally turned into a horse. Yeah, but no, Simon was a horse. Oh, no, no, yeah, you're, you are a horse. No, no, I, I was Simon's horse. horse.
2: Hey, I played that My Horse Prince game. Mm-hmm. It could still work. Ooh. Oh. That game is weird. <laughs> is that an app game? Yeah.
1: Isn't that the one where, oh like, gosh, you feed him like, carrots and whatnot?
2: Yeah, because he's like, literally it's a horse with a human head and the whole time you're playing you're just like He's so not beautiful. a centaur Aww. a horse with a human head well I was playing an app game where you do you have the opportunity to to have a love of interest that is a centaur mm-hmm. but I had to give up when one of the options on one of our dates was to have sex and I was like I don't even want to think about this <laughs> delete mm-hmm. What? You got me, game. What? <laughs> That's what's happening? Oh no! Oh, tapping out. They yeah. were like, if you want to spend all these diamonds, you can uh, take your love to the next level. I'm like, what next level? <laughs> what happens next? Is a centaur. <laughs> I refuse to know what you're talking about. But yeah, I choose the same thing because no, I don't yeah. want to be tiny, surrounded by jizz. Mm-hmm. yeah that's, that's fair sensible. and because the time that i accidentally read vor it was about tiny people mm. so yeah yeah that's oh, fair i these were not also i just sent you pictures of the horse <laughs> prince so oh, i see it <laughs> yeah he really does have a human yeah. head on a horse's body and he has a, you know that nice floppy hair because it's there's one where he's um singing into a <laughs> microphone yeah he's got a pretty kick-ass fender it looks like yeah, he's, all, he's many things. <laughs> you're just a confused girl, because that's how all those app games work. You're just like, <laughs> yeah, what's uh, going we, on? whether you end up living with vampires or demons or what ends up happening, you're always just like, well, this is silly, but I guess I'll stay. Yeah, yeah.
1: well, thank you so much, Megan, for playing this game. You are welcome. You won, Would yes. You Rather? You made the correct choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did, actually. A thousand expressions of gratitude for joining us on this episode, dear listeners. And thank you next to filmmaker, activist, and friend of the show, Kwame Phillips, for gracing us each episode with his ducal vocalism. You can check out more of his work at kwamephillips.com. That's K-W-A-M-E-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S dot com. And you can reach out to us via Twitter, Instagram, and email at Tontalkpod. That's T O N T A L K P O D at gmail.com and social media. Until
0: next time, X O X O, Aaron and L.